Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 159. Sam 4 in A Feast for Crows featuring Zach from Game of Owns. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And yes, this week we have a guest. Oh my god. Oh my god. A guest. Hello, <laughs> Zach. Right <laughs> Uh, Zach, I'm so glad we could tear you all the way out of the pages of the Tome, Fire, and Blood, because I know you and your co-host, who we've had on before, Hannah, came on back in the old John days. Now you're here for Sam. Perfect match. Uh, so what what is up with Game of Owns? What, what's the word? We're having a lot of fun right now, because when we finished A Feast for Dragons, we were like, what do we do? And so with all the options George has laid before us, because the obvious path and Wait into Fire and Blood before House of the Dragon, and thank God that HBO decided not to release the show on a regular schedule because we have a lot to get through before we get to mm-hmm. hot D material in Fire and Blood, so we're just trying to get there. Oh, damn. Yeah, what, where are you guys at right now? Where are you guys at right now? We just finished Surfeit of Rulers, and okay. I have an episode in the bank right now that I need to get out to everyone. I forget what the chapter was called, though. Anybody remember that next chapter? I don't even know what the, the chapter, chapter entitled Surfeit of Rulers encompassed. Chapter 7, Eliana. Come on. Oh, my God. The next one is A names. Time of Testing, The Realm Remade, A there Time go, of yeah. Testing. And that so one, that's, when, that's got Jaharis? a lot of Jaharis, right? Jaharis yeah, coming when, uh, back with his mom. Jaharis comes back from Dragonstone. I for see, the first I time, see. yeah. Okay. After the training montage, oh, uh, ooh, eventually okay. Allie comes and joins them. Go, Paul Atreides, get it right. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh I've God. been saying that. It is kind of like similar feeling, right? Oh my it God. does. Completely, I can see that. complete Paul Atreides vibes. Like his yeah. like direct statements that are so cutting, and you can kind of hear it out of the voice of a young, like a younger throat. Did you ever listen to the Dune audiobooks? I did not know who did that. You, you, Do you know, I don't remember. Okay. But you would love you would love it though. Okay, I gotta check that out. And so I know you guys have put out now seven. That is so exciting. And you started this what back in January? Late November, December. November. Wow. Well, that is an exciting undertaking. We were exhausted just from doing the dance, honestly, of covering mm-hmm. dancing the whole is hard. Dance. Dancing was a lot mm-hmm. of work. Yeah, Those dragons, they danced for hours. They dance. <laughs> dance for a long ass time. They dance for years, even. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I am jealous. I do want to get into some of the fun fire and blood stuff at the start of the book. I really like a lot of the Jaharis and Alisan stuff. I think there's some really rich content in there. And I guess I understand that it would be really hard to have like 13 different Targaryens all on one screen that are related to each other. You know, 15, I guess, if you count Jaharis and Alisan. That could not be an easy show to adapt. So I can see why we don't have that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it's it would a lot cool of to see Maegor, though. Could you imagine? <sighs> It'd be interesting. It would be interesting. I don't even know how you would adapt that. Like the whole situation with the Black Brides and just just the violence at King's Landing alone. Not to mention the surrounding areas and the stuff of the God's Eye. But literally, just what's happening there and the response to his cruelty. Oof. Yeah, <sighs> I know That'd a lot cool of people do want. You know, those parts, the earlier parts of the book, too, especially the the conquest. The conquest, I think, yeah. seems a little easier to adapt than. Mm-hmm. They could almost do that in a Lord of the Rings style opening yeah. where uh, the, the, mm. there's the narrative and it shows all mm-hmm. the, you, you know what I'm talking about. Long ago, 
Three dragon riders came from Valyria. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) For 4,000 years. Well, we'll get no, into some firebending today. We'll we'll definitely bring up some firebenders of your of of Aeswath your if you will. Oh. Of yeah, uh, no, not mine? yours. Uh, <laughs> let's jump into some housekeeping up top. I'm so excited to have you on, Zach. Thanks again for joining us. I'm so us. happy to be here. This, this is, is going to be good. It's going to be a great episode. I just can I just say that Chloe just called for Owens on Twitter before this episode, which was so sweet and funny. <laughs> That's all. I know. I know how it's played. I know about that that Game of Owens podcast. Zach, where can you find Goo? I know, obviously, <laughs> there is the Great Goo website. Thegreatgoo.com. No, that's uh, just Game of Owens. You should take that. I should. Domain. Yeah. Someone else do it and point it to something silly. Do that instead. Um, just GameofOwns.com, and if you go to any podcast app, you just type in Game of Owns. That's it. That's where you find it. I'm a Spotifyer. If I listen, you know, I tend to Spotify. I go to the web page or the Spotify. Those are my. Has my your Spotify tunes. app been like messing up podcasts lately? Like restarting? Yeah, absolutely. It's been really what the weird. Heck? Hmm. If you uh, delete your app and reinstall it, I fixed mine today doing that. It I worked. Do that. So PSA to I anyone. Gotta, I got to do that. Yeah. Also on our website, uh, all of our episodes are sorted by like books and TV season and. There's even a one for the reading order. So if you're interested in that, check it out. Aspirational. It is. Aspirational, Eliana. Aspirational. I remember, I remember uh, yeah, grilling Zach My about wand. this actually recently. I was like, Zach. Oh, yeah. So you made I your website? On. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I drew it. <laughs> I can't do the programming. Oh, wait, shit. That's right. That was Worldcon. That's was Worldcon, it? yeah. I'm sorry. I'm confusing it with DragonCon, and I didn't go to the con. Yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> Hanging out. We ate a I'm lot in the of world. Sushi. I'm in the world. Well, you know, <laughs> Eliana is going to have to have Eliana Khan this weekend. Or next weekend, I should say. Can I be on a panel? Uh, no, because you're going to be really busy. You and I will be at Ice and Got to run it. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's what you, you mean. Know, yeah, Zach? Yeah, it's coming up real fast. Next week, if you're listening to this in real time. And Eliana and I have decided that since she can't quite make it to the convention this year, it means war. I mean, this means civil mean war. war. Greens yeah. versus is, the blacks. <clears throat> yeah, greens. Yeah, Eliana's no. the greens. I'm the blacks. That's just because I said it faster last week than she did. Really? No, it's because, I think of the, it's because of some things that you're you're preparing for the con that I think are a surprise, which is why we didn't tell everyone the real reason. But Yeah. Well, we will still be having a brunch and happy hour for patrons in the Thunder tier and above. If you are a Thunder tier member or above over at Patreon... There is going to be every month brunch slash happy hour. Sometimes we play games. Sometimes we just chit chat on the discord. It's a blast. You should come hang out. This month, we're splitting it up. Eliana, the greens, anyone who will not be able to be with us in person at Ice and Fire Con will be on discord right on April 24th. And what time are you going to be on, Eliana? Same time as you. That's how what? you know it's a war. In real time. Wow, that is a war council. I think that there are some other <gasps> ways to tell if it's war. Uh, but maybe I should call it the attorney at Heron Hall. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be live at Ice and FireCon having a brunch slash happy hour at 11.45 a.m. It'll last for an hour at Ice and FireCon, though, because I am on a panel at 1 p.m., which you, you should all come to. 
everyone could just follow along from from the hang. So bring your own BYOB, your own beverage or your own snack and come hang out. We'll probably meet up in the lobby at Ice and Fire Con at the lodge. And we, on our war council, we will be meeting also at 11.45 a.m. Eliana Standard Time and (laughs) uh, ET. So uh, we might go more than an hour, you know, just because... That's how you win the war. Yeah, you survive oh my longer. God. And we will we will be playing also some games, different games than we have in the past, because it is, you know, a Game of Thrones, right? Oh That's God. how you know. Oh, I think I'm going to bring some sort of reindeer game myself. I don't know why, mm. but something, some sort of reindeer mm. game to the convention. And if you're a patron in the Stranger tier, the $5 tier and up, that is not the end of the fun, right? You actually have some bonus episodes available to you and we've had quite a run of bonus episodes lately last month we did eliana's favorite episode ever her it was it march shroom it was her child straight up yeah and then this month is also i guess my child but also again inspired by my muse chloe oh my god (laughs) it's april fools (laughs) yeah we'll be talking about some performers right in aswaf some butter bumps Uh up in here (laughs) Uh, chatting about the roles. Oh my god. That'll come out by the end of the month for you all. And if you're a patron of ours and you like His Dark Materials, we are finishing up The Amber Spyglass right now, the third book in the trilogy. However, there is a new book coming out, end of the month, called The Imagination Chamber. And it seems to be like a novella similar to some of the other shorter reads for His Dark Materials that we've covered. So be sure to tune in for May as well for a bonus episode on his dark materials it's been a bit it may be a good time oh my god well you know zach you and i are on a panel together at ice and fire con saturday of ice and fire con at noon in the main programming room we have a panel called choose your own reading order we do it's gonna be a lot like when those old goosebump books we're gonna have only like part of it planned and then you get to just pick what we do next throughout the link right that's our plan right no my god Uh (laughs) (laughs) chloe's stressed now why did you say that (laughs) you're right you know i have a neurosis no i'm just kidding we uh both of our podcasts have we've spent like uh, a long time i don't know how many episodes but years now of making episodes of exploring a song of ice and fire through a non-conventional way like not turning the book in its chronological order For the choices behind us building a Feast of Dragons, really similar to how you guys laid out your path for the podcast, we was based on the the characters, like the how these characters with us chronologically fit with one another, but also within that chronology, some thematic angles as well. But for y'all, I've talked to you about this before, um, off podcast, but I just thought that was uh, like the world needed a podcast to go through a Song of Ice and Fire like y'all's did from taking one character and going through their whole course and then choosing the next character beside it. And I've always been surprised, like, where you guys have gone next. It seems like whenever I feel satisfied that something's happening, then it's like, oh, wait, you guys are doing Sam now? And I know there's only so many people, so maybe that's not a great point, but... It's it's been cool to see happen. So we're, I guess we're just going to talk about that. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you. It's true, though. And you guys were kind of some of what we thought about, you know, when we chose that order that we thought a little bit of how some of those thematic choices came in where you put different chapters where it could have been, you mm-hmm. know, 
you know, your cat of the canals could have gone in a couple places, but right. magically put it here. And it's really fun to have a bigger pool to choose from. I'm really mm-hmm. excited. We won't give away the whole panel today, but we're going to talk a lot about some of the characters and choices. And we mm-hmm. maybe will reveal some hints, you know, for Girls Gone Canon fans that are still puzzling oh, cool. it out. Aliana and I have seen a couple this. close guesses. A couple <laughs> yeah, close guesses. Yeah, we have. We have. Well, we're not going to say who, but... Yeah, We've seen some, we would never we've seen tell you. Some good guesses. The yeah. chapter that we're talking about today, we actually have toward the end of Feast of Dragons, which was so neat when you think about it. When you go from mm, Sam 3 to yeah. Sam 4, when you're in Bravos to being yeah. right outside Old Town, or you know, I guess outside Dorne. But yeah, the travelogue. So, yeah, so neat the, how mm-hmm. whenever you put both those books together, it's spaced out so far. Anyway, not a very deep point, but if you think about it, you'll you'll come up with some ideas <laughs> on your own, people. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll have some fun interactive where everyone can choose their own reading order, oh. you know, like what they would do. I think that would be a cool exercise to have everyone leave going like, this is what I would do, even if it's just one run of like mm-hmm. a Game of Thrones, I would reorganize it this mm-hmm. way uh, because it is kind of a blast. I, I definitely it's have neat. I have some orders I want to do, you know, like I want to do like a, a Golden Trio reread and Ooh. only read Lannisters. Oh, that is so cool. I haven't thought about that yet. One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Targaryens only once we get John. Yeah. Yeah, I think some people I feel like, like that could reveal a lot. Yeah, I forgot. I don't know if it was that would be Sansa detailed. or something who's doing something like that, but I don't Can remember. I just ask how was... cool it was to do Davos chrono- chronologically for y'all, like personally? That must have been so neat. It was fun. Those were really fun, fun chapters. Yeah, yeah. Really rich chapters. There's a lot in all yeah, of that. For sure. I know uh, our, our Nauticast guys, they, uh, how many of the Davos chapters, like four parters half the time, right, on the ones they've done yeah. so far. Mm-hmm. They put so much depth into those chapters so uh we we simply walk in the shadow there <laughs> i personally this would start with the winds too. of winter then a dream of spring yeah then, i like that then, yeah I, I would start with <laughs> uh well i'm excited book. to see you at ice and fire con when george is gonna announce the winds of winter that weekend you know at our party that would be at wild our, that would be party. crazy yeah. if he did holy shit yeah. He's going to zoom in, I think, during the party. We're going to get a projector for it. I so hope. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll still Call people that so all of our snacks get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> that would be – don't tease me like that. That would be the coolest thing. We that are hosting so – cool. there's a little unofficial party Friday night at Ice and FireCon if you're going in the land of always winter. So look out for the signs. You will see them. You will see them. Find us and you'll know. Let's look for so, Chloe. Like in hard home or like what's happening? Yeah, exactly. Great question. Are you going to be yes. Mother Mole? Dead things in the water, Eliana. Oh my god. Dead things in the trees. Without so, further ado, let's how do you jump guys into do our this podcast. It is it is oh, literally yeah, sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> it's live laugh and liquor. Live laugh liquor. And that's Eamon uh, now. He's live laugh yeah, liquor now. Exactly. Oh, like, god. Well no, actually he's more, I guess, liquor love laugh because he's not living anymore. You think about it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> He's pickled also. Yeah. Being brined. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump into our lightning round of what we missed between Sam 3 and Sam 4. Start off with Jamie 3. After a long day at work, Jamie finds himself defending his girlfriend's honor with <laughs> a fist in red Ronit's face. Comedians aren't safe anymore. Uh, taking that up. Oh my god! <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> Cersei 6, the always sunny, 
Cersei rearms the face. I just heard Trailer Park Boys in my head instead. The Reaver. Sick of being cucked by his brother at every turn, Victorian prepares to steal the apple of Euron's third eye himself. F you, Talbert Sari. Jamie reaches the next stop in his cleaning up people's bullshit parade, the Castle of Derry. He gets truth from Lancel of his and Cersei's relationship. Brienne 6. Brienne lands on the Quiet Isle, where broken men remind her of her mission. Cersei 7. Cersei sends Felice to the Black Cells. Jamie 5. Tyrion is Tywin's son, not you. <laughs> Cat of the Canals. Angered by a watchman's vow-breaking, Arya gives him a trip <laughs> right on into the canal. Sam 4 Overview. Sam is taken through the emotional ringers. He tries to figure out what it's all about. You know, life, death, sex, all that shit. Indeed, indeed. So, we open with the cinnamon wind, a swan ship out of Tall Trees Town, which sounds like something from, I don't know, it reminds me of like Donkey Kong, but also in, I think it's the Hoenn region of Pokemon. There's a tree town or something. But on the Summer Isles, and... George has written, like, the the men are black and the women are wanted and they're, like, strange gods aboard. And no Septon leads them in prayer and the task, therefore, falls to Samuel Tarly, who eulogizes Eamon. And I'm going to be real. These opening lines were not, they were not George R. Martin's, George Railroad Martin's finest moment. There is, like, a little bit of that going on in this chapter. And it's hard because I actually, in rereading it this slowly, and I'll talk about some of my love for it later, I think this chapter gets a really bad rap for some of the language in it. Uh, as we get to Sam's cock later, Agreed. right? Like a lot of people that I uh, of my buddies are always like, "Ooh, fat pink mask." But I think it is such a moving, emotional, deep chapter about. I mean, all of the big themes in A Song of Ice and Fire are really rearing their head here. But there is just a little bit of like George being like, "Let's talk about the exotic people," and yeah. I guess some of it's like maybe that's uh, uh, maybe that's some reach prejudice coming from Sam of just not really having been much elsewhere. But we also see it juxtaposed against Gilly, who hasn't been much elsewhere, being completely open minded. So I don't know exactly. And yeah, yeah. She feels really close to to them as well. Like it doesn't matter yeah. where they're from. What what really matters most to Gilly is the the similarities they share and her experience, like having really traumatic experiences with Craster, you know, she feels closer, safer with women. And so she's not weirded out at all by the fact that they're so different or that their customs are different. She can just tell that this person is loving as well. And that's what matters most to her. And I think that's really, that's really poignant coming from Gilly because she is, you know, um, she is a free folk they are a very you know they're not a homogenous group of people they're made up of several different tribes as we find out but the way that the free folk are seen by many of the westerosi is the way that like sam kind of reacts to some of the summer islanders until he gets to know them so Mm -hmm. i think there's something really really strong going on there but like i think these parts are actually fat fat pink mask good this part not (laughs) not great george (laughs) yeah it's like if they would have led into it like earned it if it if it wasn't just the last time we saw sam was so far away and now he's here and now he has all these really distinct thoughts about these brand new folks it would probably seem a little bit less shocking but it's kind of like everything all at once instead Mm -hmm. of gradually getting into the way that he describes Mm -hmm. these people yeah he was a great man a maester of the citadel chained and sworn 
and sworn brother of the Night's Watch, ever faithful. When he was born, they named him for a hero who died too young, but though he lived a long, long time, his own life was no less heroic. No man was wiser, or gentler, or kinder. At the wall, a dozen lords' commander came and went during his years of service, but he was always there to counsel them. He counseled kings as well. He could have been a king himself, but when they offered him the crown, he told them they should give it to his younger brother. How many men would do that? Sam felt the tears welling in his eyes, and knew he could not go on much longer. He was the blood of the dragon, but now his fire has gone out. He was Aemon Targaryen, and now his watch has ended. And now his watch has ended, Gilly murmured after him, rocking the babe in her arms. Kojamo echoed her in the common tongue of Westeros, then repeated the words in the summer tongue for Jondo and her father and the rest of the assembled crew. What's really clear is that Maester Aemon is the one that those are those people are real enough to know how real Mr. Amon is that he's someone that even at 102 years old who isn't very mobile and isn't speaking at a very loud volume I think that their respect for him and them rolling out this pricey not I guess not incredibly rare thing that they have a cask of rum but just the amount of respect and the level of celebration to his life and his death that they gave him it was clear that this guy like i said without a lot of faculties to express himself like radiated this level of respect out of people that didn't even know him that much and that sort of depth being subtly shoved into the chapter i think is just like the beginning glimmer of how deep this chapter goes through maester amon's eyes or at least through his narration I, Mm -hmm. i love that about this chapter like how we get a lot of different levels of depth in a song of ice and fire but when someone as old as him and who's seen as much as him starts to talk about the story itself it almost feels like george r R. martin has like a cheat code to just like give us an info dump of stuff that's like really important and so i went into this originally when i read this chapter thinking it's going to be a short sort of travelogue chapter and uh I, i get halfway through it i actually looked at my notes from years ago that i wrote about this before coming on and i was i had the same feeling before i was just like holy crap like this 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 goes in like this is what i read this book for this kind of stuff yeah it's absolutely like an emotional chapter and it's one of the i think hearts of a feast for crows and of sam's story and as you were saying right i really love the sense of camaraderie that the summer islanders bring to maester aemon's funeral right they join sam in mourning and they later on celebrate aemon's life through sex and i mean like that Kojamo translates this right from the Night's Watch and those those words so that the Summer Islanders can join mm-hmm. in the morning and also th- so that they can themselves internalize and express the same sentiment in their words, right? I really love that. And I, I also feel that in a way, Sam's eulogy, it's it kind of is very reminiscent of Jon Snow's story. And also I love the way that Sam expresses Aemon as sort of embodying this quiet heroism, despite the allure of the songs and legends that we see so many of the young men in this series chasing. Yeah, I have to echo. But when they offered him the crown, he told them they should give it to his younger brother. How many men would do that? I don't know why that's in this story. Does anyone know what that could mean? I don't want to know. I don't want it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I mean, that's uh, our obvious 
I've definitely really taken, like, between their last ship that they were aboard and the way that people treated Gilly and how they were like, she's an evil abomination, and the way they treated Eamon being like, he's an old, stinky piece of shit, and now these people are, like, giving rightful respect to them, and they, like, I mean, they protect Gilly later. They don't give a shit about Sam. Sam's over here like, but I'm almost a lord. Why shouldn't people care about me? And it's like, nah, Gilly rules here, dude. Gilly is, she's the, the queen of this shit. That's, That's true. That to me speaks volumes that they really are like, uh, everything on this ship right now hinges on how you treat Gilly, so choose wisely. Yeah. That's such a great point, because on the last yeah. ship they were all like, all this bad stuff is happening because we have a woman on this ship, and here yeah. they're, it, it, the women hold, as you said, high esteem. I'm kind of wondering, was that a thing on some ships? I recently have finally finished the first season of Our Flag is Death, and there is like one point where they're like, all this bad shit happened because we have a woman on our ship. And I was yeah. like, whoa, is that a thing? Like, that people, like, legit believed? But I mean, most sexism is just disguised as superstition, Eliana. It's true. What? Whoa. Well, I was just like, For is ages. That a, was that, like, a, an actual superstition on ships? I don't know. I don't know about uh, that. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah, I think, it, I think so. Sounds familiar. I mean, probably. That makes sense. But also, like, what a place for a girl to be in a ship with all those guys. Yeah. With the- it's... Probably, if, if if it was a superstition, it was probably made up by a girl, so that would not happen to her or any any of them. Like, uh, who wants to be in that position? Hmm. I guess some people would. Know, yeah, just alone, like surrounded by a bunch of dudes. I mean, to be fair, she was kind of sent on this half death mission to keep oh, the yeah. baby. Yeah. You know, she had to. She, she didn't ask for this. Yeah, she no, no one asked for this. Like for literally, Gilly. I didn't ask for this. <laughs> Your Sam was awesome, to... by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I just yeah. pretend I'm Sam from Lord of the Rings. Oh my god! Oh wow, that's good all trick. I do. Thank you. That's all I do. I'm like I am Sam from Lord of the Rings. I'm except just like no Eves, uh, honest. <laughs> every time I've seen those movies, I don't know that I've absorbed as much as I should have because I've usually been drinking. Mm. So I will say that when I say it's what I think he sounds like, it's what I think he sounds <laughs> like. It's not what he sounds like. If right? No, it's not. Movies. It sounds more like the actual Sam from Aswaf. <laughs> so it's working out good for you. Oh, me. great! See, yeah. perfect. Don't tell anyone my secrets. I really go to Gollum. Um, we know. <laughs> so Sam weeps and Gilly comforts him and the air is moist and warm and dead and calm. Zondo says that Black Sam said good words and now we drink his life. A cask of spiced rum is rolled up onto the deck and the crew had only known Eamon for a short while as, as Zach has pointed out that the Summer Islanders revere the elderly and celebrate their dead. I mean, as they should, I will say that like Especially when I worked in customer service, we had customers that, you know, older customers that didn't have great memory and would come in and easily be scammed, right? And buy mm-hmm. a bunch of bullshit they shouldn't. And the one rule that I always made sure to kind of intend on my people back then in retail was you don't scam old people. You're kind to them. Yeah. If you have a deal, if you have a coupon at your counter, you scan that shit for them. And we always had coupons. I'm like, you give them a good deal because they've lived a long life and they don't need that bullshit and that is kind of like that is how it should be good for the summer islanders unless the old people are assholes if they're aiming it's good you know yeah if they're aiming we're good if they're aiming we're good and i have to say i love sam's new nickname and i love that it's like lost in translation that obviously zondo is like sam wears blacks and he has a kind of a foul mood lately uh you know his clothes his position his disposition black sam 
And I think we talked about this before a while back, but, you know, in history, all people that use the Black as a nickname, like Prince Edward the Black or Lezik II the Black, you think it's such like an intimidating name, but it's not meant to be intimidating, right? Prince Edward the Black's armor was black and he had dark hair and Lezik the Black was also said to have black hair. So it's kind of a misnomer right you're you're naming again just like savage sam tarley mm. right or uh sam the slayer it's another misnomer for sam biggie unless it's yeah. about his outlook on life right now in which case he's pretty it's pretty bleak but i i do love as you were saying right he gets another name and i how many more names like sam's just sam's, <laughs> sam could go up against Daenerys at this time <laughs> well he's what sam the novice next right at the mm. Citadel. He's a novice, mm. so he's going to start getting names at the Citadel. There you go, Eliana. Each chain, mm. he'll probably get mm. something new. Love that. Some people just get nicknames. Sam the Sam novice. Sam the intermediate. Halo. Sam the expert. Sam Maester Sam. Oh my god, Maester. Maester Sam. Oh, Maester Samwell. That's cute. cute. Mm. <laughs> I'm happy for him. It's going to be... A really hard... Oh, yeah, he's gonna get... I mean, well, maybe Maesters will be abolished. Who knows? I, I'm, I'm worried for him. It seems He seems pretty stressed about it in regards <sighs> to, like, his dad and shit, but... Maybe he could take that chain and strangle his dad with it and pull a Tyrion. Oh, I mm. thought you were gonna say pull a Princess Leia against <laughs> Jabba. I mean, that's actually the same thing, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. That's... Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I gotta think about a little more. Anyways, Sam is, is having rum for the first mind. time uh, in his life. It's sweet at first and then fiery. I, yeah, I, I wrote down here that uh, I think that this description of rum is lovely. I like when authors can communicate substances in a way more poetic and honestly just viscerally in a way it viscerally allows me to communicate what it does like to make it make sense to someone else so like i could take this for example and tell if anyone was like what does rum taste like i'm like well it's fiery at first and then it's or it's sweet at first and then fiery it's just a way better way to talk about it than i would have i'd be like it's okay <laughs> it's what i would have said it's okay i just like when authors do that yeah i heard i, I heard an author okay. describes smoking pot for the first time hmm. as taking a wrinkled up duvet and T- like taking it outside and like shaking out all the creases in it <laughs> and i was like whoa i love that it's yeah, not how it like felt that. for me but i'm glad it, it <laughs> was for you you're like it's felt like putting it in the dryer <laughs> i know i had a time I, uh you know and if you want to hear about mushrooms no i'm just kidding <laughs> wait is that what mushrooms is about no it's about mushroom zach right I'm just there talking. was mushroom talk in it Okay, Lots that, of mushrooms. I think that's on, I think that's in our bloopers section, right? Yeah, that's got to be in our bloopers channel. I think on I might Discord. have left it in. I don't remember. <laughs> I used to love spice rum in my teens, and my dad mm. doesn't drink liquor. He he's a beer guy. He doesn't do liquor because he liked liquor too much when he was younger, and it mm-hmm. he made an embarrassing mess out of himself, and so he sticks to beer. Uh, and all through my childhood, all I remember is you know him saying, "Nope, I just drink beer." There's a very embarrassing Christmas story in it. You guys will have to pull it out of him sometime if you see him again sometime in the future. But he loves spiced rum and cider at Christmas time. Mm. Hot cider and spiced rum was Chip's favorite. And 
I can never drink Captain Morgan Spiced Rum again because he only <laughs> drank it once a year at Christmas time. Mm. I drank the spiced rum instead and he oh would never God. know because no. I was a teenager. Yes. I drank no. my dad's drink. Yes. All year. Year year long, not at Christmas. Yes. Uh so oh, I, th- I thought you meant you drank it all, the whole bottle in one. Oh, night. I did. Oh, not no. in one night. I mean, it was a half gallon that took me like at least Whoa. a week or two as a teenager, but okay. you know, with a friend. But it's yeah, no, I oh yeah, I, I I definitely drink all of his spiced rum because again, some years he wouldn't even want it. Is yeah. rum good? You think like this pirate rum that they have <sighs> is it okay. good? This it's sounds okay. good. <laughs> this sounds like it has really a flavor fresh. profile. It sounds like it's like rich, like yeah. a deep flavor, not like just Fireball. You know, you know how fireball is yeah. kind of shallow. I like oh, it. For sure. Like sometimes you just need a little, a little something. But like, mm-hmm. some, wrong, it's yeah. it doesn't have much depth to it, right? And this sounds mm-hmm. like it's actually got depth. Like it's thicker. Like it's almost like I don't know, like gasoline for the liver, right? Thicker. Yeah. Like it rolls on your tongue is what I'm imagining. Right. Hmm. I'm thinking of the the canteens and like Pirates of the Caribbean where they're like shaking it over oh their mouth, God. like just trying to get the last drop. Like it's got to be good. They're doing that with it. That's how shit is out there, you know. Right. For pi- I mean, we get pirates in this chapter. That's what so. I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. Like, it must be really good for them. Yeah, it's a pirate drink. Gotta make sure, I mean, and it only we only add a little more flavor to it later. <laughs> we add an ingredient. Uh, would you drink out of the barrel? If, oh, if yeah. You, hell, like, really? You hell good. yeah. Hell yeah. No, I just, I just want to know. I want to know. She's really passionate about that. Plus, I'm you're like, I really want to get drunk and we're out of everything else. Let me just dip my cup Okay, in there. no, I don't think I would do it. I don't think I'd do it, like, after a week or two, right? Like, that. that's, okay. like, kind of pushing it. But, like, definitely first day, or day, okay, yeah. day or two, I think, like, that's mm. fresh enough. But, like, I think mm. by week three like week two or three i think that's just um granted technically the rum will kill all the bacteria but that's I, what i was gonna say yeah i think it's pushing it would you do it oh like God. i will if you will let's just do okay. shots of it. <laughs> we, we're, we're gonna get to that part we're gonna get to that part but um, i'm gonna record of the process of you yeah. two doing it i'm gonna be there as a data analyst of what's right going on. on this is for science Clipboard, i will watch yellow legal pad i will be let's drinking like champagne or something very clean looking okay uh you know because i'm a pussy so Imagine that. <laughs> chloe likes vodka you can drink vodka <laughs> so sam is aching Every inch of him is exhausted and blistered, but rum and sadness is washing that pain away. He wishes that they could have at least gotten to Old Town to get Eamon to the Citadel, get him to the Citadel, a new movie. Eamon had almost seemed like he'd recover. Uh, Zondo showed up and told him more of the dragons, and his appetite had even returned. No one ever looked for a girl. It was a prince that was promised, not a princess. (sighs) Rhaegar, I thought, smoke. <coughs> it was from the fire that devoured Summer Hall on the day of his birth. The salt from the tears shed for those who died. He shared my belief when he was young, but later he became persuaded that it was his own son who fulfilled the prophecy, for a comet had been seen above King's Landing on the night Hagen was conceived, and Rhaegar was certain the bleeding star had to be a comet. What fools we were who thought ourselves so wise. The error crept in from the translation. Dragons are neither male nor female. Barth saw the truth of that. But now one, and now the other, as changeable as flame. 
The language misled us all for a thousand years. Daenerys is the one born amidst salt and smoke. The dragons prove it. Egot, bravo. Egot, Egot, Egot. The coughing T-O. was really. Yeah. It sold me. It sold me. I mean, you loved it so much last time that I was like, <laughs> I was like, maybe I'll hear her laugh this time. <laughs> Prophecies in general, but specifically for this, what do you guys think about the literalness of this prophecy? And I guess it, Eamon does believe in it. Do you think he's going crazy? Do you think like a younger Eamon would have believed in it? Do you think he's believed in it for like a huge chunk of his life as he sort of describes? Like, sounds like he's fully invested now, but has he always been? And what do you personally think about it and its application on the story? These are big questions. Sorry. (laughs) Not sorry. I think I'll start. We've talked about this a little bit already in some of the previous episodes and our discussions about Eamon. And once more, I'm going to bring up our friend, Matt, a.k.a. Joe Magician, and his essay on the relationship between Eamon and Rhaegar and how they likely collaborated in regards to studying these prophecies previously. Yeah, I think that's really apparent here, right? Because you have... Rhaegar was certain the bleeding star had to be a comet. What Mm -hmm. fools we were who thought ourselves Mm -hmm. so wise. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's him saying, man, me and Rhaegar had it wrong this whole time. And I think he feels a lot of guilt, as we see from his conversations with Jon earlier on in the story and later on, or middle, you know, before this, and also now uh, with Sam. I think the guilt is so big. I think that summer hall at Rhaegar's birth i think that was also i think he feels responsible for for egg maybe tending to whatever that was now as far as the literalness of the prophecy and his belief in it I, i think as he gets closer to death he's able to let go of the institutions that are holding him back right from fully acting and believing in the prophecy and thinking that he has an understanding i think that like the night's watch for example and probably being a maester really hold him back in the way of actually like fully exploring all of it right his vows so many conflicting vows they make you swear and swear (laughs) i think that really has held him back and now it doesn't matter because he's fucking dying slash died too yeah hanging out what are they gonna do i mean the ship is the best way to like be like let's take a turn let's go that way (laughs) (laughs) honestly he's in the prime location to do it but what do you think zach like if I believe in the prophecy affecting the story, or if I believe in uh, any how much of they any of the it. many questions that you just asked us, what are your <laughs> answers to them? Uh, <sighs> I didn't expect it to get turned on me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the turntables! The, the tables do turn. Um, we're like the ship turning. I think that that they um, were at least aware of it being important enough to have some kind of. Uh, not mastery or control of, but to be the people that are the first along and knowing about it. It's kind of like looking for a margin ahead of your competition, a way to sort of retain power for their lineage in a way. Like if, if, if things went wrong enough to, or things went right enough based on what people that were wiggly, that would say stuff that are prophetic or were things that are prophetic would come into being at least be, be informational enough. Someone like Quaith jumping in and saying some really like convincing sounding poetry like all right there might be something to this like you've just disappeared and came here but with all that stuff like quaith herself like there's always 
there's always a little bit of like trickery with Melisandre. There's always a little bit of glamoring. So it's like it's it's difficult for me to wrap my mind around really committing to it all the way. And someone as intelligent as Eamon, I feel like something must have happened. I mean, other than the fact that they're living in a, a place where his lineage is specifically gifted with taming these absolutely wild creatures. Still, they are creatures. They are alive. And there is a history. And we do know where they came from. So I feel like you, using like literalness to follow that thread and to use that weight to justify whether or not you believe in something crazy or not. Mm -hmm. I haven't got enough information about what they know about to know for sure if they are crazy or if they do have a reason to believe in this. But at the same time, there's, there's real stuff that does happen in the story that I don't know. It's like a really good magician doing a really good trick. I just don't know how you could have possibly done that. There's, there's moments of that, there's technology like the glass candles that mm -hmm. maybe will be described in another way. I don't know. I can I can mention other stuff. Like an easy one is the shadow baby. Like there are George is giving us in his made up universe like clear tells of like, all right, it's not just unexplainable or explainable glamours, but glamours. Like there's more than just that. And so because of that, I feel like this prophecy being something that could be potentially re relevant to the, the history and the future of everyone that's alive in Westeros, it's possible and it could very well be centered around a single family. I mean, they are the, what we know as the sole, really the sole survivors of the, the, I guess the greatest, you would call it, would you guys call Valyria like the greatest empire that Planetos had seen, like even up until this point, at least the stuff we've heard about it, like they dug so deep. So, I mean, it I makes know, sense that they're it. from that. I'm indifferent. You know, it's there. It's good. They, they did I mean, the crazy work. Like, I mean, not, magnificent. Not but, like, no. they, they were huge. They built the high road. They built yeah. those. They built uh, they, they, the things that they dig are architecturally yeah. alone and the size of their kingdom and the scale of their influence alone. It just it feels like it makes sense that if the sole survivors that predicted in some magical way a reason to get out of that place, they, the, the prophetic stuff could be centered around them. But mm -hmm. I guess Eamon himself, like, not really knowing for the longest time what this could mean. And then seeing stuff like a bleeding star falling through the sky and relating it back to the, the words that he knows of the prophecy. It's hard for him not to believe in something like that. So honestly, I'm in the same boat as him. It's like, well, there's this evidence that seems really real, so I'm just going to go with it. You're on the cinnamon I'm not, wind? <laughs> I'm on the cinnamon wind, and I hope to God no one puts me in a barrel of rum. Yeah, I think you brought up a great point with Quaith, right? Uh, I didn't really consider it, but when you think about Eamon, Eamon grew up around dra dragon dreams from his brothers, right? He grew up with mm -hmm. Darren in his ear being like, oh, I've got a headache, I have to go drink, I have to get rid of these dreams. Uh, mm -hmm. He likely has had dragon dreams. We discussed last week, he might not just realize, you know, what they actually mean or what he's seeing necessarily. He can see all sorts of things in his mind. But how do you differentiate that from dragon dreams? Some of the stuff yeah. he was describing having seemed like yeah. fevery dragon dreams. And his other right. brothers yeah. all had them. So right. they all have had this. So you imagine Daenerys growing up with Quaith at her side. What if she had actually, she isn't, we know that. But what if Quaith, you know, she had someone like Quaith who sees things saying to her, well, I'm seeing this. Like, what would you believe growing up then? You know, you would probably, yeah. she would be a different person than what she is now if she had grown up with that in her ear with Viserys in her ear saying sister I dreamed this dragon dream mm -hmm. well and I think that's the nature to an extent of like what we see with people 
who are royal and you have power, right? Like, regardless of whether it's prophecy or not, you have people around them mm-hmm. being like, yeah, you're definitely the chosen one, right? Like, that happened to mm-hmm. Joffrey. That happened to... That, that's <laughs> what Wise is whispering in the ears of Sweet Robin, being like, yeah, the seat is strong. It's you. It's you, kid. And it's like, I, I don't think that's who we met. But anyway... Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's more of I a think... broad theme, Liza. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Liza, it's it's about the other kid. Um, he's not a kid anymore. He's like a man. It's about like every kid except John. your kid. Actually, yeah, right. if you really it's want to talk about kids, it, but not yours. Um, yeah, definitely not him. I think what's different is that you know Makoro and Quaith, right? When they say prophecies, they're just like, I don't know. Here's some words. Good luck. Good fucking luck. Whereas you have people <laughs> like Eamon and Melisandre. Yeah, they're trying to act upon it. They're like, I'm trying to decipher what this means and act upon it as opposed to like prophecy just kind of, it just kind of fucking happens. And I think it's it's sad because like Eamon, I think, believed this when he was younger and he sees himself as a fool. Perhaps he feels that he and Rhaegar led to the destruction of their house by chasing after these. And maybe after everything went to shit. I think for a long time, Eamon stopped believing in all of these. Mm-hmm. And it's only suddenly now that he's like, oh my god, you know. Four sheets to the wind, let's fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> to the cinnamon Now's wind. the time, 102. Four sheets to the cinnamon wind. <laughs> Not getting any younger. Better believe my shit now before I piece the fuck out of this world. Because as younger. he says, like, that feeling. Yeah. he straight up is like, you know, maybe nothing is fucking waiting for me on the other side. I, whenever I get that old, I'm gonna go crazy. I know I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be believing in everything, telling people wild stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I'm not. I'm indifferent on prophecy as far as the effect of it overall. I mean, I kind of think at the end of the day, Azora High might just be the friends that we made along the way. <gasps> Literally, like it might wow. be several people in the book. I, I agree. I don't know. I think Azora High is what you make it. You know. Wow. Sure. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Can I get that made before next week? <laughs> I think so. I think you could. Chloe had like a banner made very quickly. Yeah, I, I did. did just buy iron-on like transfers from yeah, my yeah. spring break outfit. Amazing. So, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So Eamon did seem stronger then, right? Like when he was talking about all of this stuff, it really seemed to give him hope. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I must go to her! And that he would if he could and he had even like walked up the cinnamon wind on his own two legs after the Adbod passage like that was the effect it had on him so another question that i have here is what what he talks about i have we I, i've got to get to her so what would have happened if he would have got to her like you know how uh marmon wants to get to danny too if that ever happens but like amen i mean everyone loves amen oh my god i feel like I would have cried. Danny would have cried. I would have cried. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think but, it would have been really yeah. awesome for them. <laughs> yeah. Even just to, like, be able to know they're not alone in the world would, would be, like, I don't even care about the advice he could impart at this point because how much of it could he really That's impart true. in one day before he dies? But Ugh. <laughs> he would have been better at giving advice than Barristan. Let's, first of all, first yeah, off. Yeah, fucking trade him out in a heartbeat. Oh god. Person's oh. <laughs> all out yeah. here being like girls don't like nice boys and Eamon would have been like it was me, I was the one who rejected them. <laughs> yeah, Eamon yeah. would be out here like, and here's everything you need to know about your dad. Yeah, he would he got a yeah. little cray cray at the and- end there, you know, Aries, he got a little cray cray, Danny, but uh, you know, would have given her an even keel, like probably the truth about a lot of these people and what happened. Do you think she would have like believed him immediately when he's like, "I'm Aemon Targaryen"? Do you think she would have like, "I need to Aemon. vet you"? 
Right. Why would he lie? Well, Steve also, Eamon was like, Sam, I don't know. Could you do something? And Sam fucking believed him and went and did this right. crazy thing and yeah. set his yeah. best friend up to fail. <laughs> so. But would she believe the content of his message is the follow-up question. Yeah. No, uh, and seriously. I mean, Barristan obviously approached his approach a little too delicately. Maybe, you mm-hmm. know, soft-potted in a little too soft there. Uh but she didn't really have a great acceptance of that either, which I wouldn't either if I was being told, like, ah, uh, there are some truths about your family. Maybe you're not ready to hear, kid. Ha ha ha. I mean, queen. Ha ha ha. That, I think she I, likes I, prophecies. I think yeah. she'd like what Eamon's saying. I think, she'd be I think like, oh, it yeah, could be a little more illustriously done, yeah. I think Alluring. She, I think she'd believe... I think she'd believe Eamon. I mean, like you said, first of all, the effect of having someone else who's actually supportive from her family. Mm-hmm. Be huge, yeah. And him being like, I mean, I'm gonna admit, we fucked up a few times, <laughs> <laughs> and we still need. One I, more I was head. there. For, I was there for a lot of it. A lot of bad things happened to our family. <laughs> Some of them could have been me. <laughs> uh, yeah, they could fix those fuck ups together, but now yeah, they I can't because can he's dead. It always happens. Always like you think characters are going to meet up in stories and stuff, and it's like, oh, they die. You're like, oh, come on. Not ready to reveal those cards, George. Just give says. me the Van Gogh moment from Doctor oh Who, you <laughs> cowards. Just go all the way there. Let him see his museum. And still go back and die. Well, you know, at least he got to see it. And most importantly, we got to see him see it. That's true. That's true. And he was amazing. That's actually like. One of my Tully fan casts. I don't know whether oh, uh, Young good. Hoster or maybe or John Con. He's actually also yeah. I was thinking John Con. John Con is the other one that I thought he'd be great at. But yeah, ah, uh. some armor. So Sam gave his sword and scabbard to Jean Doe to pay for his feathered cloak. And the only things that were then left were the books from Castle Black. And Sam parts with them very glumly and told them. These were supposed to be for the Citadel, and Koromo is like, "Yeah, they're still gonna go to the Citadel, but we're gonna charge them for it." <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna read the money. Good for them. Yeah. <sighs> this feels Love like it. it could be a problem, right? Like for Sam getting into the Citadel, because it's kind of funny at this exact moment we have Agen Six, who's rising to power, right? And he is showing every single symbol and trapping of power. He has mm. the sword the crown, right? He has everything. He has the people, the Kingsguard forming. He has the support. He's starting to get all this legitimacy behind him. And then you have Sam going to the Citadel in nothing but his black clothing from the watch. Maester Eamon's dead. Doesn't matter because none of them know him as we learn this chapter. He's like very, very subtly just like, oh yeah, by the way, I don't know any of these guys because all my friends at the Citadel died because, you know, I'm 102. Uh, I've lived to an absurd age, and Sam is going to show up with nothing to prove that besides maybe a letter, right, signed by some dead guy. It's going to be, yeah. you know, he's going to have a rough time throughout the Citadel just because of legitimacy, which is interesting to show that it is yet another little mini Westerosi boys club in that, you know, it still matters who you are when you show up, even though they say it doesn't, as long as you dedicate yourself to the knowledge, it still matters who you are. He may have a better chance by saying he's Sam Tarly, which is the thing he would not want to do. Yeah. Such good points. 
I like what you said about the uh, trappings of power. Sometimes I didn't think about the itemization of that. That's neat imagery, though. And plus, they don't even like believe in anything. Apparently, I think I wrote this down later, so we can get to that. Unless I deleted it, but they don't. They don't believe in any of the stuff that Amon's been writing about, too. So he's probably coming with like the worst letter he could bring, basically, because he's not even respected, you know, anymore. Yeah. He's been at the wall. They're from long. the Night's Watch. Exactly. Like, nobody no cares. Literally, no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> it is such a boys club. I feel like this, like, the only place, I mean, not the only place, Dorne's pretty friendly, but, like, the ship is not a boys club. It's a perfect example, like, a mirror opposite of that. It's like mm-hmm. your merit Point. is what gets you what gets you the respect that you'd like to have, like, the quality of you as a person. Yeah, who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, it's going to be, like, the weird boarding school arc, you know? <laughs> sexy boy school do you really think it's gonna go that long or is he gonna get yanked out of it i mean we need like three more books to have sam go to boarding school i don't think i don't know how long it's gonna go i know george probably didn't intend for it to go long he intended to do a time skip come out at the end that like sam's graduating right Right. but now he's like fuck now i gotta write all this yeah (laughs) i mean logistically speaking you could get uh, especially covering ground and with how many povs you have in t-wow since he's at the Citadel, we end with him at the Citadel, you could get him through a little time skip. I mean, you could mm-hmm. skip right on ahead and then have it be one to two chapters at the Citadel, so and it's time order. for Euron. You know uh, who did a time skip montage? Game of Thrones. Oh my god. <laughs> they <Yeah>. did. <laughs> I'm talking about when Gendry ran from the the north to the Oh no, the when the Sam shit shit all the shit. Yeah, the Citadel. Yeah. The Citadel. Oh yeah, yeah. Guy Ritchie came in and guest directed that spot for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Uh, this is like th- there's moments like that that are just I love I love that. Did you guys like that the shit at all part? Or yeah, the- absolutely. Okay, it was cool. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're like I wanted more shit. <laughs> it's as good as season seven got. Okay, I took what I could get. Yeah, yeah it was, kind it of was one of the better parts of season seven for sure. <laughs> Which for is pretty sure. shitty when you think about it. <laughs> oh yeah, I think it was maybe like representative of the whole thing. <laughs> oh my god. Like I said, the universe is too aligned today, guys. Oh my gosh. So, the Cinnamon Wind also tries to take Eamon's chain, but there is where Sam put his foot down, explaining, no, we are not going to disrespect a maester of Eamon's stature. And in the end, all that Sam now has left are his boots, his blacks, his small clothes, and the broken horn that John had found at the fist. Pew, pew, pew. That was a great Sam, by the way. Loved your (laughs) Sam, too. (laughs) <laughs> so oh my god squeal i loved it it's a horn I, my note says squeal you know you guys know why i'm squealing the horn yeah 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 absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's also a horny chapter <laughs> it is a yes, very is. horny <laughs> chapter yeah not at first but then it gets there unless you're into dead old people feels like but. that horn could be important yeah, I don't think really? it means anything. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, no. I I mean, it's just like one of those things that I'm trying to think of, of a relative uh, like artifact from another story that's like that. I mean, uh, people don't like Harry Potter these days, but like, you know how uh, in the fifth book, whenever they find the locket in uh, yeah. Sirius's house, that it's like blah, 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 oh, yeah. heavy locket, da, 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 da. That ends up being, you know, Regulus's like whole thing that's the thing that makes creature and harry become like best friends which god want to strike some emotions in me like creature and harry working together oh boy 
But yeah. it's something like that, where like an artifact is buried in the text somewhere, and that's they were digging. Speaking of shit, they were digging for out this. pieces of shit uh, yeah. to uh, use for fire fuel. And then they found the, eh. and it was such an insignificant thing then, and it's also an insignificant thing here. But it's still here, and it still gets a mention. And usually, good authors don't mention anything. Like you can't, you can't. Ar- dig something out of the universe and put it in your book, like from deep in your imagination to paint this broad, like mm-hmm. uh, beautiful artistic story and just put some random shit in there. So it's got to mean something. And if it's a misdirection, then we're going to get it like broken, at least in a satisfying way or something. Right. Or we'll get disappointed in a satisfying way. Well, that's part of think? like the great thing, right? That like it's here and it's mentioned that they didn't find it valuable. That's right. the part of this passage that stood out the most, that they were like, mm. uh, you can keep that weird broken horn. <laughs> so it shows right. back up. It is moved from the wall to here, and mm. it's still there, and it's invaluable, quote unquote. Right. That feels a little suspect. You're you placing a lot of invalue on it, George. They found it under the snow, Ned. Snow. Snow. <laughs> Do you think that it's it's like a, we're sort of being like double misdirected, that it's like it actually is invaluable? Like, that might be, like, he's being, like, so obvious, maybe. And, like, he's just trying to confuse us while we're waiting for these books to come out. I think it's just been 20 years or more. It's been more than 20 years since these books came out. uh, I could see it being important at the Citadel, right? I could see it coming into play somehow. I don't know. But it's got no runes on it, though. I believe. Like the other ones. Yeah. Small, insignificant. Oh, Oh, God. God. That's it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's all it is. So you guys don't think this is the horn? Like there's no, no kraken that's going to jump. Oh, you do. Oh, I don't not for the kraken. I don't know, for something. It's important for something. It's got to have some purpose. Even if it's just drinking ale. Oh my okay. god. Oh my god. So, they couldn't stay on Bravos without thieving or begging. When they left, they had to leave, right? There was no other place that they could take Amen and it would have been, you know, a lot cheaper had Amen lived. The passage was stormy. I know, any cost. The passage had been really stormy at Pentos. He wanted to come to the deck again, but that was the last time Eamon left his bed and his wits started wandering, and once they got into Tyrosh Harbor, he came to, telling Sam he must, take, he must make the Archmaesters understand. He says the men he knew at the Citadel have long been dead, and his letters probably read like ravings to the new ones. Sam promises to tell them that they would probably tell them better together, but Eamon says, no, it must be you. So do you think that the Citadel doesn't believe his letters? Do you think that they, some of them know about the truth of phenomenons existing in the world and they're just ignoring it? Like they probably know, the Archmaesters probably know about things like the glass candles, not just Marwyn, right? Or at least they've heard about it. So if they know something like that exists, like surely there's a chance that these creatures that they sort of know did exist, like big uh, mammoths and stuff, which I guess they probably believe in the mammoths, but like ice spiders and whites and stuff. Do you think that they believe this, any of them? Or they just think it's totally crazy? I think some of them might believe, but like not want to say anything about it, if that makes sense, because everyone Mm -hmm. else would think they're crazy too for speaking out. And because, like you mentioned, some of these things George is introducing, they're like these little mysteries, right? And some of those mysteries, maybe they feel that it's not for man to un- ever understand or that it's like, mm. you know, maybe they they feel a little bit more religious to it. I think Marwin obviously, very obviously, believes in them. 
He's he's probably one of the few that's like, oh yeah, that aiming guy, totally right, batshit, but totally true. <laughs> right. Everything he wrote was true. <laughs> totally crazy though. <laughs> he's probably like, yeah, I don't know about him. He's nuts. Love that guy, but yeah. he's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> what a nut. Uh, I think he obviously believes in it, and I think like there are probably a handful that echo his sentiment, but not out loud. I think it's also like a pride thing. I think some of them want to believe, like as as we saw from Kyburn, right? And we even saw from Crescent. Crescent said, I really wanted magic to be real. And I tried real hard. A lot of them go in there, they want magic to be real. But because mm-hmm. they're not the ones to whom magic happens, they're not the ones who discover it, they refuse to believe that it exists. And again, it's very much a pride thing. Oh, that's... Oh God, you guys are so good together. You guys, like, covered everything. <laughs> wow. Wow, and they when they don't believe the magic exists, and they get like prideful about that because it didn't, they couldn't get the candle lit or whatever. They kind of ruin it for the rest of us. A little yeah, because yeah. like, but that is such a real thing. Because what happens yeah. when magic rejects you? Well, it usually turns people into fucking villains in stories, Count right? Yeah. yeah, right. I rejected them when first. Yeah, right. can't fire me. Just, I just leave it alone, though. Yeah, just leave it alone. you don't have to go after people that are trying to do it. Well, they just want a buzzkill for the rest of us. God. For us and Marwin. Take a buzz bomb instead. Our Rick and Morty episodes. My God. Oh, <laughs> it is literally God. Rick and Morty. We we have some really great passages coming up. And something that I thought was great is Eamon basically talks about his brother's dream, the prophecy, and says Melisandre's misread the signs that Stannis has dragon blood in him. This is a great quote, right? This one has a lot of people being able to theorize. Stannis is blood of the dragon. His brothers had it. Rael, Egg's daughter. Uh, used to call him Uncle Maester when she was a little girl. And he thinks that he allowed himself to hope and says, we all deceive ourselves when we want to believe Melisandre most of all, I think. The sword is wrong. She Mm. has to know that. Mm. Light without heat, an empty glamour. He tells Sam Daenerys is their hope. Tell them that at the Citadel. Make them listen. And I feel like we would be the worst Song of Ice and Fire fans in the world if I didn't quote uh, this next passage. Death should hold no fear for a man as old as me. But it does. Isn't that silly? It is always dark where I am. So why should I fear the darkness? Yet I cannot help but wonder what will follow when the last warmth leaves my body. Will I feast forever in the Father's golden hall, as the Septons say? Will I talk with Egg again, find Darren, whole, happy, hear my sisters singing to their children? (coughs) What if the horse lords have the truth of it? Will I ride through the night sky forever on a stallion made of flame? Or must I return again to this vale of sorrow? Who can say, truly? Who has been beyond the wall of death to see? Only the whites. If we know what they're like, we know. John. <laughs> Big sad. It's so sad. I, I don't know. The part about Rael's little girl and the Uncle Mace. Right? No, yeah, I'm that, in pain. That was, that that's an assault. Me. That was a crime by George R.R. R. Martin against me. A specific crime. Unnecessary. <sighs> I mean, the whole thing was, the whole thing was just, you know, wrongs, wrongs done upon us, but. First of all, George, how dare you? <sighs> <laughs> um, how dare you know... write? Oh my god. That's... Never write oh, again. No, 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 no. no stop, stop, <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> uh, I take it back. I write wild cards only. Oh my god. 
We should just change to become a wild cards podcast. Um, we have so much content. No, just like a hundred books, a hundred wild cards. <laughs> That's so true. Where are the wild cards now? Um, Where the wild cards are. <laughs> so, you know, the version that we get of Eamon in this chapter and the previous one, I, th- I think it, you know, when George is writing, it's a really great example of his writing, his characterization and his storytelling, and then how he's able to just really deepen these characters because Eamon's very much portrayed a lot like Ned, right? There's those like wise guardians, those those people who mm-hmm. guide our young characters, and we often associate these kinds of characters with this like serenity and I mean wisdom. That's why they're like the wise whatever is guides. But I what what's so great about this chapter in the last is it's really turned on its head when we see that Eamon, you know. After like a bazillion years of just being like, wow, that's real sad that all of my family's dead. He finds hope. And ironically, I think it's that hope that kind of crushes his spirit a little because he cannot join them. And he finally finds something to live for all of these years later. Again, it's his family, it's dragons, but I think it's especially like that idea. Again, it's that family and that blood and his biological family, not just the Night's Watch. And for once, you know, he's really tempted to come to his family's aid. We see him kind of express, like, it. they don't really linger upon it, and it is a little reminiscent of Darian, right? Darian's like, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna desert. You know, you think about it, that's kind of what Eamon's saying. He's like, I wanna leave. I wanna desert the Night's Watch and being a maester to go yeah. to Daenerys. And we have never heard him say any of this about his other family members. He told John this like really moving thing of like, John, I don't know, maybe you should stay in the Night's Watch. Here's what I did and never deserted. And now he's like, I want to do it. And and that's part of why his dreams about Egg are suddenly resurfacing. He's sort of like replacing his love for Egg and putting it all onto Danny. And it's the same dream that Egg died for and all the rest of his family did in that terrible fire. And you know, we think that someone. Yeah, no, I, I, for real though. It's true. It's, it's true. Horrible. It's and like, then it led to Rhaegar's thing. Well, and then it's not lost on me the line where he's like, "No one knows. No one's been beyond and come back from the veil. No one can tell you what's there. I'm afraid. Mm. I don't want to go." It's not lost on me that another Targaryen is about to die, right, yeah. and be reborn. John, mm. who will know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. all of this same guilt and all these emotions are going to be put on John's shoulders eventually when he understands his parentage better, right? Yeah. So he's going to have to be maybe a Targaryen that stops some of that cycle. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't have time to be afraid of death because he gets stabbed. Um, <laughs> very quick, maybe he very should quick. have been a little more afraid actually he you know, really like, should have been more afraid just a, little, a little bit yeah you're right I'd like a, maybe a little bit of the fear of any of the gods uh, to get in that boy Jesus Christ yeah Danny has Danny has some fear right now John no fear no fear no. <laughs> so fear is good is a little humility so, is all we're asking for okay. honestly that is what uh, Yoke Boy said when he came on for that Sam chapter a long time ago saying the gift of fear that book um, and how yeah. Sam has a health Sam has a healthy amount of fear uh, sometimes sometimes but, <laughs> yeah um we it, it, it's really interesting about Eamon because we think that someone with like his age the way that his archetype goes right 
comes with all of this wisdom and therefore should be like at peace with death. He's been a, he's 102 years old and Eamon even says the same. He's like, you'd think that I'd be pretty ready for this. <laughs> and so I think it's like a really wonderful and painful turn that suddenly like that entire image of like the wise mentor just shatters and we see that he's just as insecure as all the rest of us because, you know, as he said earlier in that first book to John, he's like, he's only human and the gods have fashioned us for love, right? And that's the great glory and great tragedy. And he even describes the dragons for his house in the last chapters being like, they're great, they're the glory and tragedy of his house or something with similar language. Wow, that's, that's good. I, George did a good, good with that. I like all of that. And the, These the parts violence are good. and the beauty of <laughs> dragons and fire uh, to sort of be representative of that same dynamic that you're describing with the glory and the tragedy of love that's so nice yeah because the dragon's survival so nice. is his family thriving right in his mind so mm -hmm. conflating the two as one isn't hard for him that that is it when the dragons were thriving his family was thriving that's yeah. true yeah, yeah yeah if that's the one thing he could do the one thing he could fix that would undo all of the burning that has happened to burning his family down right like yeah that's what he would do yeah, I mean, that was, like, Egg's vision. He's like, we're gonna have dragons and we're gonna have peace in the realm. I'm getting too old to cry about books every week. No, no, no. This you're is not a lot. Old. This is getting a lot for me. Chloe, you're the youngest person here. So I can't imagine how you two old-ass bitches are feeling right now. You're like the Aim and Steel song of this podcast, you know? I've completely given yeah. up and surrendered. <laughs> you guys, Sam is also speechless. Right, he can say nothing. He is, you know, given Eamon all the comfort he can, which is not very much. Gilly came in after Fuck. this. I'm crying, uh, singing him a song, a nonsense song. Sam says that she'd learned from some of her kin at Craster's, but it made Eamon smile, and he went to sleep. And that had been one of his last good days because it reminds him of Rael, probably, and his sister's singing. I would say, right. Do you think we'll get the lyrics to the song? Like, what if it's not a nonsense song? What if it's, like, another prophecy or some shit? Oh, whoa. Oh, whoa. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Ooh, <woo>. <laughs> The wolf version. Uh, you know, maybe. I, I'm happy he didn't give us the song. You know, we've had a lot of great musical moments for Sam yeah, McGillie. Yeah, I want to see it at the talent show, the con. Yeah. A bear, uh, a bear. Uh... Eamon would mutter in his sleep, speaking of dreams, but never naming the dreamer, of a glass candle that cannot light, eggs that cannot hatch. Later he asks Sam to read for him from the book from Septim Barth, and later he wakes weeping. The dragon must have three heads, but I am too old and frail to be one of them. I should be with her, showing her the way, but my body has betrayed me. You did a great whale. That was a great whale at the beginning. Thanks. I was thinking of my uh, dead cat, my old dead cat. He was oh. blind. Oh, what the His fuck? His name was Link, and I just, Nothing. you know, that's the voice I used to use for him around the go. house. What the fuck? <laughs> Listen, Daniel Day-Lewis, Jeremy Strong, you need to sit down because yeah, I'm in right? town. <laughs> oh, my God. Christoph Waltz, get out of here. <laughs> uh, so do you guys really think that um, the well, I guess really the question to ask you is two parts. Do you think that he thinks the dragon has three heads means that three Targaryen people need to be working together to do whatever they need to do? 
And also, like, do you guys, what do you guys think the dragon has three heads means? Just that part. We don't have to do the whole prophecy, but just that particular dynamic. What is that? I think I think he's just he's just saying sad shit. Um, I don't know if he need, thinks there necessarily needs to be three heads because then he'd have to actually think hard about like the third one. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> boy, would he be pissed when he learns <laughs> you are twelve hundred miles away from another Targaryen. Oh my god. Um, I don't know if like. I don't know if he thinks three Targaryens must be working together. I personally don't. I think there could be three heads, but, you know, the heads can all snap at one another, right? They don't all have to be aligned. Yeah, the dragons dance, right? I mean, literally, we've seen the dragons dance in history when there's more than one. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel on it. It's another one of those prophecies I'm kind of, like, indifferent. I I think the obvious answer is probably three Targaryen-minded people or people with connection to the dragons of sorts probably should come together and will unite a bunch of people to, you know, long night, yada, yada, yada. That That's a, I think that's a good generous, you know, reading of the text and it makes sense. Um, I don't know how else to read it. And that could just be my mind polluted from years of fan sites, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what my actual authentic take is on that. That's right. one thing I just don't yeah. think about. That's the cool part about being here. Other people have thought five. it for me, you know? You got all these books left. It's like, we're going to have the whole story one day. Everyone's going to be talking about are it. We? Don't you remember how that was? God. Yes, we are. <laughs> I mean, I, again, I for, I for one, I for one, in my reading order, would start with the winds of winter. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think it's going to time jump? Like a big um, one? No. Do you want? No. Okay. Word. No, I think he scrapped that. Nah, he like, said three? he scrapped that shit. Yeah. Word. He gave up on the time jump. Um, you know, to save time writing. Oh my god. It's so weird <laughs> that he wails the dragon must have three heads. It's like, alright, dude. Like, what does that mean? You need to go hang out with her? Like, what are you trying to say, dude? I mean, he yeah. heals a lot of things. You're right. <laughs> I feel that, though. I do that, too, in the middle of the night. I did last oh, night. Man. I thought the, all the computers were watching me. I've been watching a lot of upload. I was like, oh, oh God. They're watching you for sure. Oh, yeah. I know. So I know. At them, so just going to make them watch you harder. I know. I woke up in the middle of the night. I was like, oh, God, they know. <laughs> <laughs> they know I'm on to them. Um, it was actually really scary. Um, anyways, so <laughs> speaking of knowing things, Eamon here also mentions about the Sphinx, like, or, or somewhere in the chapter, the Sphinx being the Riddle and not the Riddler. Which is interesting, and many have taken to mean Alaris, and it probably does mean Alaris, because, you know, it, it would have been way more of a twist if, again, the books come out, like, sooner, but <laughs> we've had a long time. And we discussed, again, like, Aemon maybe having dragon dreams a little bit last episode, but considering that I don't think that this has really ever come up elsewhere, or in any of the other prophecies that we've heard of, I think that lends some credence to that idea, because, like, what... Where did he get that idea from if he didn't fucking dream it? Yeah. I mean, that to me says he's seeing things, right, of sorts, seeing maybe their little visions of what's going on around him. And then, yeah, what separates dragon dreams from just prophetic dreams? I mean, maybe he just has prophetic dreams. Maybe he has seen Alaris. It's dragon tales dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dragon, dragon tales, dragon tales. <laughs> I'm never going to call them dragon dreams again. It's almost time for Dragon Tales. Dragon Tales. You think it is definitely Alaris then? And that 
Alaris's name being so obviously a mirrored version of Sorel is not <laughs> just like a sort of misdirection. Yeah. Or is George just that being that obvious? I'm always hoping like it, for more. It would have been a lot less obvious if the books. <laughs> anyway. You're right. You're right. But still. Yeah. I'll put name. it backwards. No one's ever going to figure that one out. <laughs> Roger that. It's not like they've got, you know the irs or anything i'm just saying this because taxes are around now but like no one's tracking the names that's true mm-hmm. that's i mean technically but there probably are since this is like a school of learned people eliana they probably have a roster that they're putting people in on so alaris had to get a whole ass identity change just to go to school I people can't got to talk fake about ids that. all the fucking time people do <laughs> it all the education. time here the, for the rum education. Oh my god. <sighs> I need some rum after dealing Me with too. you. God. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Eamon starts to forget Sam's name. Uh, he doesn't have any cute mechanisms to remember it like we do for Alaris, Sorella. Uh, Eamon forgets <laughs> Sam's name. Sometimes he calls him after one of his brothers. <laughs> after his it's death, his Sam had kind of complained to Gilly that John should have known better than send Eamon out like this. And Gilly kind of mouths back. She pushes back and she's like, John knew Melisandre would burn Eamon. He has King's blood dipshit. Val knew. Lord Snow. That's why they made me take Dalla's baby. Remember and not my own. Which good for her for calling it out. She says, Maester Eamon went to sleep and didn't wake up, but if he stayed, she would have burned him. He will still burn, Sam thought miserably. Only now I have to do it. The Targaryens gave their fallen to the flames. Kahiru Mo would not allow a funeral pyre aboard the cinnamon wind, so Aemon's corpse had been stuffed inside a cask of black belly rum to preserve it until the ship reached Old Town. So, I don't know what that is, but I've been trying to find out. I, I long ago had a vision. I was like, we should have, we should have a drink. Inspired by Maester Aemon's body in the cask of rum. And Zach here is actually the person who gave me a feasible idea but i do think next time we need to iterate upon this and there needs to be fire but zach please please tell us about um you had a good idea we executed it sour patch you ever seen one that's a little guy (laughs) it's edible it's delicious i think mr amon would have also been rather delicious and of course he's edible so you know you soak it for the longest (laughs) amount of time in your liquid do you remember what our ingredients we settled on and we did drink it we're only two ingredients. It was the Sour Patch Kid and the fucking dragon fruit rum or something like that. It's all you need. I mean, rum can be like a basic thing, but once they've turned it into dragon fruit, that's basically two or three ingredients right there. So I guess get yourself a really good, maybe if you could find a blackberry rum, that would be the best way to do it. And then pick out your favorite Sour Patch Kid, the one that, get the red one for Eamon. I agree. And, the red one's the best. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't put more than one in there. I mean, I guess you could if you want to have a bunch of Amons. Like, this is the multiverse oh drink. You have, like, every Amon that was ever put in the barrel. And you could put some on the rim that didn't die, that actually made it to Daenerys. But yeah. uh, ultimately, you're basically just drinking straight rum. <laughs> At the end of the day, maybe you can cut it with some seawater. Some ocean water from Ooh, Sonic. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Mm. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Sonic, like, what do you mean by Sonic? The drive through That's yeah, where Sonic. ocean water came. That's, like, where it came from. Yeah. Not that yeah. you're thinking uh, of the oh, game. Yes. You're right. I was because the, there's, a like new Sonic, there's a new Sonic. Yeah, there's a new Sonic movie coming. Up. Yeah, <laughs> there is though. Yeah, so maybe you could put some ocean water in there. They also have the uh, powder packets of that on Amazon. Oh, uh, yeah. 
yeah, I just got the cherry oh. limeade once oh, from what? Sonic. Okay, and I'm putting can you link seltzer me that water. Later? My God. Yeah, well, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? I'm putting seltzer. I'll bring some to the con too. Yes. We can have. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yes, <laughs> yes. dude. The cherry limeades from Sonic. It's I used to in so like good. high school and in college, I would drive past a Sonic on the way home to go to work mm-hmm. on, and I would take the route purposefully because I would oh, always yeah. hit between two to three p.m. for happy hour, oh, and I'd get 44. the three dollar cherry yeah, limeade. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, they got happy oh, hour. Yeah. yeah. They have one like at two to three, and then they have one I think in the morning or some crap too. But Eliana, amazing. you still get like the cheapest giant drinks. I mean, like, and you can mm-hmm. go light ice if you want. You're talking just like you're inoculating, inoculate yourself. You got to be safe on the food though, because some of it goes right through. Yeah, some of it's oh, not. Dude. Yeah, I've been to Sonic before. Sonic has the the. I mean, the last time I checked, the. Uh, most calorie dense fast food burger out of all the yeah. fast food chains. Really? The Sonic like double cheeseburger is like hmm. something about the way they make shit is so dank and good. Yeah, anyway, doesn't feel good coming, coming out. For life. <laughs> that food yeah, I, people say that kind of thing about Taco Bell too. I don't have I don't that really issue have with Taco Bell. With we right we, on, good for we you. highly support Taco Bell. Yeah, <laughs> good, podcast. good. Yeah, Get a no, Taco Box, too. you know. I love Taco Bell, and I saw someone oh, this is random. But I saw someone make a uh, birria, you know, like birria taco Ooh, meat, yeah. the way that's oh, cooked. Yeah. A birria and chili rellenos crunch wrap at home. It's mm-hmm. on YouTube. Look it up. That's I saw funny. it. It was recommended in my my algorithm, and it, oh my god, it was gorgeous. <gasps> anyway, I'm that hungry. Sounds good. I don't like to eat before I record, and so I was just like, let me just not eat dinner before we record. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you're going to leave Oh, no, it's so good. I'm going to drop kick that food in there when we're done. It's going to be even better. Don't worry. Nice. Gilly comes back in after her Sour Patch Kid shot, thanks to Eliana and Zach oh there, you know, with the dragon fruit rum. Gilly comes in saying that the night before Eamon died, he had held the babe. Gilly had been afraid she'd dro- he would drop him, but he rocked and hummed for him, and the boy touched his face, making him laugh, and she strokes Sam's hand and says, We could name the baby Maester, and Sam's like, My god, that's not a name, woman, but we can call him Eamon. She says Della brought him forth during battle as the sword sang all around her. That should be his name, Eamon Battleborn, Eamon Steelsong. Sam thinks a name my lord father might like, a warrior's name. The boy was Mance Raider's son and Craster's grandson. After all, he had none of Sam's craven blood. These are, first of all, good names. Second of all, Sam was just like, you can't just name your kid Khaleesi. That's what Sam just said. Um, and <laughs> I do really love that Sam thinks this line, right, of the boy being Mance Raider's son and Craster's grandson. And he doesn't say Craster's son, right? Because as we know, technically Gilly also had a child that was both Craster's grandson and son. Uh, because Sam here is thinking of the child as being as much Gilly's son specifically as the boy is Dallas and Mance's. Because, right, Gilly has cared for and raised this child. And yeah, I mean, she was kind of forced to out of necessity slash circumstance slash Jon Snow. But... Also, I mean, Gilly is very loving and generous in that way, and it's Sam really acknowledging that families are complex, just like his own, right? The family that he chose that isn't just about blood, and it really ties together with, again, John's story as well, how John is both Rhaegar's son and son and Ned's son. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest overarching themes in the book of 
the family not being, you know, a family isn't always your high lord, your high lady, and your gaggle of children. Uh, for some of these people, a family is the people they survive with. Yes. Koja, the captain's daughter, was watching the boy, watching little Eamon Steelsong. She captained the ship's archers as well. Uh, they were attacked by pirates back in the Stepstones, and Koja slayed a dozen of them while Sam's own shafts were falling to the water. Yeah. I have the quote saved somewhere, but um, you all can read it. It's talking about Koja's golden heart bow. And my note here, I'm just, something I've talked about before on our podcast, but I really like how George doesn't have to go as deep into the like high fantasy equipment and armament hierarchies like which items level up to which and who has the best stuff and how much money you have to have to have the right equipment but he does show that it does exist which i think is a flourish of high fantasy books and really like the thing i'm thinking about is like video games it's like how do you make the world the universe the system that you're in make sense and he did that in this chapter in such a subtle way, such a sexy way. God darn it. He's got, he's got Koja talking about how her bow outshoots Sam. She's been practicing for the longest time. And it's like this. I like when it's not something like that you smith, but like literally it's like a Legolas's longbow, his U longbow from uh, Lord of the Rings. It's like, oh, yeah, because he's he takes bows seriously. He needs that distance. Mm. He needs that travel. And he needs that velocity when he's taking out multiple orcs at once with it. And uh, I wrote here in the note, like, uh, we get a glimpse here that it still fills out our imagination about what is available in Westeros and, like, what the hierarchy is. And, like, you can kind of imagine all this stuff. But he doesn't come right at you and say it like Tolkien does with constantly mentioning things like Limbus and Mithril in every chapter. Yeah, some of it, I like how fleeting it is. Not just that, but everything in passing of that kind of concealed microcosm of fantasy mm -hmm. right like you mm -hmm. have a whole pirate battle in the stepstones that he's just like but glossing over that yeah. after the yeah. paragraph of it i really love how he shoehorns that in and it makes it feel a lot more uh blended into the world rather than being like here's the specific thing about right. that golden heart bow that golden right. heart bow exactly and you said it better than me <laughs> no honestly i didn't think about it until you mentioned it because it's not it's ingrained and it feels whole. It doesn't feel as yeah. like, and that's how you know it's a fantasy novel, children. But you're smart enough to like, you can imagine it, right? Yeah. Because you're imagining Koja shooting the golden heart bow. You can already imagine the rest. You can like, see he, the like, glimmer. Iron, Ironwood's a cool wood. Why is it better? Oh, it's in the north. And it all makes sense. You know, it's like, wait, wait, what a second. Mm -hmm. Like we it's, haven't it's, seen I, this bow, but yet we're seeing a new person from an exotic place. Exactly. With an exotic weapon. And Who's good at bows. Yeah, great at bows. Better than Sam. Better than right. Sam. And so, of course, Coach has got this great, cool bow. It's like this from this special tree, and it shoots really far. And like it. you said, didn't have to go into it. Spend a bunch of time. I think that's why, like, David and Dan wanted to adapt this show uh, or adapt this book for the show because it's like it's, it's a high fantasy book, but it's still just like dialogue and characters yeah. mm -hmm. instead of going into that, and that like, unnecessary geeky shit constantly. That is kind of... The, the, the dialogue was probably not their strongest part. Yeah, well, especially toward the end there. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that again, buddy. You, you <sighs> see that? I mean, we don't talk about the show. Never mind. I'm thinking I know things. 
And it's a golden heart bow, and Kojimo has a heart of gold. Of gold, yeah. Aww. It's very beautiful. Eliana, good job. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I want a bow with the dragon heart string. That's, what <laughs> that's my that's my rope on it, anyway. Oh, that sounds like it could probably not last very long. It shoots a thousand miles, though. It doesn't last as long as a regular string. I mean, like, how would you preserve miles. it? Uh, with Wouldn't it be gooey? Dragon goo? Uh, e? eye goo. <laughs> Oh my Dragon. God. Uh, crazy about these pirates, right? Uh, and it makes me wonder, we just got in Cat of the Canals that Salador San's ship, uh, a maid on the green galley says that Salador San had just been in the Stepstones and had killed their captain. Oh. Yep, his captain was killed by Lysine pirates who had tried mm. to board them near the Stepstones. So it makes you wonder, was this all going on at the same time? Were they quite literally ships passing in the night? Or Ooh. could they have seen Salador San? Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I think it actually, they could have been kind of involved with Salador San there and they had no clue because they don't know him. And we do. We, we do so know close. Salador San. <laughs> I know him so well. I do. I do. You, so you get to call him He's Salah. my friend. Yeah, yeah. Salah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You can I call would, me I... a Salador Stan, a Salador Stan, yes, exactly. if you will. Like a Salador after the Salador Stan. Ooh, never mind. We I would get down on a salad door. Salad. <laughs> and we would salad never treat Salador Stan the way that Davos did. Yeah. Davos, That's you should have respected your friend. Right. Keep so he cut his own finger off. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Can't expect it at him. The Wild Thing Prince has become a favorite of the Summer Islanders, and Gilly had never trusted any men before beyond Craster's Keep, but she does trust the Summer Islanders, despite having never seen anyone who looked quite like them. And the men frighten her, but the women don't, Sam realizes. And he's like, interestingly, I also prefer being around women. His sisters had always been kind, and even if girls were cruel, words were easier to shrug off than blows. And he liked Kojimo, uh, more than Kojimo's father as well, though maybe that's because Kojimo speaks the common tongue, and Kojimo speaks the common tongue very well. I also want to like quickly again um, plug our friend Noah's essay about Sam and gender. I think it really plays very well into what we're seeing in this paragraph. Next, Gilly uh, whispers to Sam that she also likes him. Also, she likes the drink and says, it tastes like fire. <laughs> I just love So good. I just love that part of her. She's like, I like this drink. It tastes like fire. <laughs> I don't know. It's so cute. And it reminds me of like Lyra. And <laughs> she's like, I like it too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, it's cute. I actually also love like the other side of that. She's like, yo, this drink fire. Good for you, Gilly. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> uh, Sam goes to the cask and fills their cups again. A cup to Koja Mo, to Dalla's boy, to Gilly's babe, and of course, two cups for House Tar- for Aemon of House Targaryen. Uh, so a lot of cups. This is they're getting bombed. I yeah. love it though. Like this is so it's so well described. It's so sweet, and it's kind of a big defining moment for their relationship, right? Because you have to have a night of like drunken trauma and sex to bond 
you know, like that, that does happen to. often. You don't have to. Some people probably yeah, have very like, healthy, have healthy relationships and healthy lifestyles. And maybe they don't drink and trauma bond to their partner. But I just sure. feel like that's like such a young relationship thing that you like get drunk with each other and you tell each other a bunch of secrets or inner things about how you feel. Tell us what happened with feel. the spice rum, Chloe. Tell us what happened. Oh, God, no. Hell no. Don't. <laughs> we don't need to open that cabinet up. That is That cabinet graduated. That cabinet left. You know, she went off to college. Right. She quit college. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I just think that it's like such a relationship thing though. Like you have that first night where you get to know each other on a deeper level. And for them, they're having that with a lot of rum and things are, you know, feeling fuzzy and feeling drunk and light. And they, they are drinking that trauma away tonight. Mm-hmm. My note said they're drinking so much I feel drunk. Yeah. Yeah, they drink yeah. a lot. I I mean... They're young. They're gonna recover from that hangover eventually, and I don't. I don't think I could do what they are doing. Maybe not in a <laughs> no. decade, you know. Like t- enjoy yeah. now, Sam and Gilly. Enjoy. Yeah. <sighs> and then labor the next now. morning, though. Yeah, That's it's rough. not good for Sam yeah. the next morning. Uh, but it is yeah, good now, at least, yeah. right? Because now, for sure, they're getting a little dizzy, and Sam uh-huh. helps Gilly down to the woman's quarters, right? And. Some things are about to happen down there. I feel inappropriate describing them. Private it's pretty inappropriate. Things. It's very private. And yet, here we are, right? Like, they are dizzy. Uh, Sam bangs his head on a lantern as they go in. And then, like, Gilly leans close to check on him and then kisses him. And <gasps> he kisses her back. And he goes, Gross. I said the words he thought. And he says, <laughs> he can't. But Gilly says, we can. And soon they are touching each other every inch. And... And we have this line of, and suddenly his cock was out, jutting upward from his britches like a fat pink mast. It looked so silly standing there that he might have laughed. <laughs> That's a mood. Oh boy. Can uh, you read that one more time? <laughs> and suddenly his cock was out, jutting upward from his britches like a fat pink mast. It looked so silly standing there that he might have laughed. Wow, you turned on the sultry for that even better. Yeah. My favorite part of it is soon they are touching each other every inch. <laughs> even sexually. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, my, my note, I know we're going to go into a greater convo, but I just want to say he drank her milk. Don't forget that, guys. It tasted like, like rum. Sometimes I'm like, is this George's? Anywho, mm-hmm. it he's is. He's a boobs guy. He's a boobs guy. He's not an ass guy. All right, we've established mm. this okay. before throughout the series. It's obvious. Yeah, this he does is, talk a lot about it. boobs. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, I guess I, Sam could have ate her ass, but he drank her milk instead. Yeah, I guess uh, it's all yeah. like, you know, perspective, what you're into. Ass, tit, you know? Yeah. It's just Everyone's like very got clear. An he's, got a, he's got a bias in these books. Yeah. And... Um, I, I will say, like, I, I do want to, you know, kill the mood for a second, acknowledge, you know, like, George has, like, also beyond that, this other thing, he, he really likes a sort of, like, semi-non-consensual thing for his men and other characters, mm. right? He has it, he has that happen with John and Egrid, he has it here happen with, like, Sam and Gilly, Yeah. he has it with, like, you know, and that weird moment with, like, Jamie and Cersei and the Sept, and that one is, like, much much uh more problematic but anyways so so like this is gilly and sam not consenting right basically is what you're saying i don't know i i think that to an extent i mean 
I don't think so. I think that they're both very much so. She sits consenting. down on him though, for God's sake, and he said no. Exactly. Yeah. I think Sam Sam does like we can tell because we're in his POV. Mm-hmm. That he wants it. I'm just saying that George has this thing where sure, he does yeah, that right. throughout his series. Yeah. And remember when they were going down? She could like not even stand. Basically, she's right. like, "Where are we?" That was the first thing I thought. I was like, "Okay." Yeah, I don't. Know I if do you think, think that's that worth like dressing or not. I don't know. I do think that, like, there's part of it that is kind of, like, you know, trying to pull back. But also, I think it's pretty clear that he says, you know, we can't, you know, alluding Mm -hmm. to, A, I can't. I think that's pretty apparent. I don't think that this is a problematic scene in any way, shape, or form. I think it's actually one of the more consensual and loving scenes after. However, I do think, we'll get into here, is... His guilt. He has a lot of guilt yeah. over it because, and it's honestly, it's not even because of the Night's Watch in the end, right? It's really because of his father. That's really where the guilt is coming oh, from through all of this. That he's saying, I swore a vow, I swore a vow. But what happens when you break that vow? Who is it that's ashamed at you for breaking that vow? No one from hmm. the wall is here. No one knows you did it. Obviously, that doesn't matter to him, but like, because he knows, but like, who's going to get mad at him? Eamon? No. Eamon's dead, and Eamon also would have said, like, you should just probably do it at this point, man, because we all die. I die any moment now. Wow. You completely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I I agree. This one is much more consensual. I just think, like, he does that. He has the little finger scene, like, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that's more over. Yeah. That one's, like, definitely much more, like, assault. But this one, much more consensual. Sam's, like, about to laugh at his penis, so. Yeah, <laughs> he's like drinking her milk. I've laughed at it a lot. Oh my god, it's Dude, it is drinking her milk. Very a lively description, right? Of the uh, the old trout trouser. You notice how George makes all of his love scenes just have a little bit of like yes, I want to say like rustic or campiness to it, it's like just to make it real or specific. It's kind of like Ty- Tyrion doing the acrobatic flips and shit. It's like, uh, uh... what are you? What's the flavor you're trying to do here? Like, like the drinking the milk. Breast milk. Breast milk is the flavor. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The flavor is actually breast milk. Jesus. <sighs> but I guess it's the way he makes it specific. Anyway, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of weird though, right? I'm not trying to be like vanilla. I'm down no. for whatever. I mean, that's but, realistic. Like, specifically talking about it like that. Everyone's got little... kinks. This is Sam's. I mean, George's. What? Yeah. Fuck. I think the camp. What you're saying, the camp. It's realistic, right? Like sex is mm-hmm. like. Sex is often, like, kind of weird and gross. And, oh, like, yeah. very yeah. campy, you know? Like, ridiculous well, shit happens all the time. It. Juices yeah. everywhere, so, and sometimes you're like, fuck, wrong hole, or, like, you know, right. like, you, you, there's weird shit. We're all queefing in the middle, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're all queefing. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of air that goes between some <laughs> yeah. of the orifices, you know? Some squelching noises happen, weird body functions. I mean, I, I actually, I used to really shit on this scene. A, a lot. I used to really shit on this scene and like be like, ooh, fat pink mask. But I actually kind of right. hate that now. I kind of think it's like a really real scene. It's very raw. It's very yeah. authentic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I know my first time was a mess, you know, personally. So I, I'm like, sorry, Sam. That's just how it fucking goes. Yeah. And I know. The mask, he is on a ship. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great point. Yeah. It, there's a lot of the, it, it's that recursivity and like, I think it's fun to make fun of the scene in that, like, it's a funny phrase, but that's the point. That's how mm-hmm. it captures it. And also, it, mm-hmm. by talking about Fat Pink Mass, I just feel closer to everyone else in the fandom. It just, like, brings, you know, the Fat Pink Mass for the friends we made We've along the way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
The fat pink masks we've made along? Anyways. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Talking about, like, coins and nipples. He's like, come on, man. (laughs) 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 Like, what? Say it cooler. I don't know. Uh, something something about it. I don't know. I kind of love it. It always though. sounds very George R. R. Martin, though. Like, yeah. he was talking about Tyrion's, like, as his heart as an iron rod or whatever. His bulbous, mushroom veined, whatever. When, when, he, when he's coming out of the crate or whatever, yeah. he's just, like, drunk and he's, like, blah. <laughs> he's throwing up all over himself, but his <laughs> cock is still hard as an iron bar, is what it says. Like, <laughs> Jesus, man. You could definitely pick these out of a lineup as George R. R. Martin, like, genitalia description. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what is it with him? But I get it. Like, he's writing a certain kind of high fantasy book. It's very ribald. And again, you could pick it out of a lineup. I mean, you could. You're yeah. definitely not going to blame that scene on anyone else. Mm. I like it too, though. Yeah. So Kelly whispers to Sam that she's his wife now, and he thinks, "No, no, I said the words." But outside, he goes, "Yes." <laughs> And afterward, they sleep together. Then they're too drunk to move afterwards. And there are others coming in and out of the corners. And he hears all of the other people kissing and laughing and mating. And he thinks to himself, Summer Islanders, that's how they mourn. They answer death with life. And so, as you were talking about earlier, both of you, after the sex, like, the guilt that Sam feels, it's pretty drastic. He thinks of slipping away and jumping into the sea. I'm like, chill out, Ari Zokart. And then Gilly's... He's like, Gilly will find a better man than me, not a big fat coward. <laughs> I can't add anything to this because Chloe nailed it so hard before. The person I thought he was disappointed, or at least I suspected in some way, was what would John think about this? And what I wrote down on my notes is that I think that John wouldn't care. You know, John just wouldn't care. I think that he's Lord Commander and that carries uh, absolutely no weight in their personal private relationship with each other and the way they talk about this stuff if anything john would be like good i'm glad that that happened great for you and i I, so i started to see i see a lot of this reflecting that sam's doing um i I understand him struggling when they're north of the wall and there's actual danger and supernatural elements swirling around you there's a lot there and he was you know trying to provide or at least protect or be something that could help shield Gilly away from dying. I understand those misgivings for sure, but they're relatively safe right now and they just had sex and it was fun. And other people had sex in the room with you. The vibe's pretty high. I know Mr. Amon's died, but he was he was 102 and that's not even what you're stressed out about right now. And so I just feel like Sam constantly pouring over these thoughts and uh you know trying to make bad stuff happen when there's no reason to make bad stuff happen. Like is just kind of masturbatory. It's just kind of like, poor me, poor me. He's just kind of mopey for no reason. And he's really giving in to these negative feelings that just really have no place. And um, I did not think about his dad in that scenario. But even then, like, just... <laughs> he does. People don't think about their dads when they're having sex, but yeah. But Sam yeah. probably did. Yeah, dad, dad, dad's yeah that's hilarious. true. <laughs> Big mood killer. I think about... I was going to say, I think about your dad when I'm having sex, but I don't know your dad. So, you better not. Know. You better take him out of there. Send me a picture. I'll put him on. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I, wonder, I wonder if John, you know, maybe John would have been like, what do you mean? You didn't do enough foreplay. you got to go down on her first. That's how I imagine John's exchange goes. John's like, Sam, my only disappointment is that you weren't better prepared to please her. 
first of all. Sam, oh. you were the heir of Horn Hill. Let me teach you about the Lord's Horn kids. Hill. Wait, so we're not being Horn serious Hill. this part of the podcast. We're all just, once Eliana's had two drinks, we're just telling jokes. That's what it is. Got oh, it. that's that, literally that, most that's of the podcast. Yeah. The whole podcast. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> that starts at the beginning, even on yeah. nights I'm sober. Where have you been, you guys, Zach? Were you You're all coming here? at me with, with John, like, making jokes about his performance. I'm like, wow, I should have came in with that energy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to... Uh, I don't know though. I'm you just said like really great. You said yeah. a great yeah. phrase that his self-loathing is masturbatory. But yeah, I, love I, I love that because it's true. And it's so funny that he is so obsessed with this thought of John in some aspects as that stand in his mind of being disappointed in him because this is the same post-sex guilt we've already seen happen with John and Egret. This is literally John had countless ah. thoughts of what what did my lord father do when he dishonored that woman in her bed? Ha ha, which one? Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you have this big, great chapter of dreaming where he has the dream of himself in the hot pools under the weirwood with his father's face and egrets with him. She's laughing at him, shutting her skins till she's naked as her name day, trying to kiss him. But he couldn't, not with his father watching. He was the blood of Winterfell, a man of the night's watch. I will not father a bastard, he told her. I will not. I will not. You know nothing, Jon Snow, she whispered, her skin dissolving in the hot water, the flesh beneath sloughing off her bones until only skull and skeleton remained and the pool bubbled thick and red. It's not a dream, but that's literally what Sam is imagining here, right? That he wants to throw himself in the sea so that Gilly can have a better life without him now that he's done this terrible, wonderful thing. Sex. It's the same. Guilt. They're feeling very similar guilt for different reasons, but similar reasons. Just post nut regret. That's all. Post nut yeah, regret. Post nut clarity. Uh, yeah, there you go. The opposite of post nut clarity. More specifically, the regret. Yeah. Yeah, and his clarity. He's like, wait a second. Yeah. This is. She's just had a kid with her dad. Mm. Yeah. I mean, who's who's like sexual dad trauma is worse here really is sam right. no it's gillies it's gillies um, yeah definitely gilly for and sure and if she can get over herself and her trauma to seduce your bitch ass sam right agreed gilly agreed. high key rules yeah high key I mean, yeah. in general high but key. like high, high, key. high key is is surfing like mm-hmm. the whole, like top the top whole. charts like she just should have done better in song of madness you know what i'm saying I, I mean, honestly, lot, but... the whole series, like, Gilly's a hero. Like, that's not, that's, yeah, that's very real. Highest of keys. <laughs> it tastes like fire. <laughs> it tastes like fire. Pure fire, that yeah. That might be the cutest yeah. shit I've ever heard. I know. I that bitch. So Sam awakens in his own hammock with a Zondo bellowing to wake and get back to work. And worse than the after-sex guilt is the hangover mood. Sam wants to hurl, but all he can do is struggle back into his blacks, which now smell like a lot of different things, right? They also smell like Gilly, though. So he's pretty happy to wear them. Um, He does wish that he had clean, dry socks, though, and he's growing a fungus between his toes. (laughs) Just talking about salt water, cleaning it's just clothes. Gross shit. Gross. Just like really? Being gross. I, don't know. I believe it. Yeah, I believe like it. at least it also cleans my dog. You know, when oh, we go word. to the beach and he jumps in the water, I'm like, well, you don't need a bath for three months. Ellie on his face. I feel bad for Sam not being able to vomit too. I mean, sometimes you feel better. He can't. Oh yeah. In that, when you're hungover, sometimes you feel better after you vomit. That's just my. Oh, opinion. every time. 
right? Yeah. Every yeah. time. Yeah. Unless yeah. you like ate a bunch of food and it hurts coming up. Otherwise, get yeah. that out oh, of All the chunks. Oh, God. Oh. Dude, the chunks. It's, it feels like your body's ripping <laughs> oh my in half. God. Or like when you've puked a couple times and now you're dry uh, heaving and your throat yeah, is yeah, sore yeah. and raw. That's a, that's yeah. a mood. In your that's head. It's like you're oh pushing God. your headache out of your head mm-hmm. from like the way you're yeah. dry heaving. Uh, Poor you know, Sam. When they approached the cinnamon wind, summer islanders had proposed they pay their way in work, and Sam had protested this. He's like, well, three out of our four party can't work. And Zondo's like, yeah, you're going to work for all four of them, dipshit. Uh, <laughs> Sam doesn't really feel like he's even doing enough work of one, let alone four, but he does try scrubbing decks, hauling anchors, coiling ropes, hunting rats, sewing sails, patching leeks, boning fish, chopping wood, boning gilly. Wait. Uh, Gilly tried as well, and she was actually better at rigging than he was, although the sea still made her sick from time to time. So they almost made one whole person, is what Sam is telling us. He kind of wonders what the fuck he's going to do about Gilly and the whole breaking his vows thing. He tries to busy himself with work and avoid staring at the cask of Eamon rum, but he also has to avoid Gilly, so he's running out of places to look. She comes upstairs, he goes below. She goes forward, he turns back. She smiles at him, he turns away. He feels real shitty, thinking, I've always been craven, but never an oath breaker. He wishes he could ask for advice from Eamon, John, Pip, Gren, but all he has is Zondo, and Zondo would probably just tell him to fuck her again. Yeah, uh, we have this line of, fuck, had in the first word of the common tongue that Zondo had learned, and he was very fond of it. Mood. It's too good. That's uh, yeah, that's great. Glad Real, that the Summer Islanders are this. It's just a boat of cool people. Like, obviously cool it people. Is. Sometimes you get cool people in A Song of Ice and Fire. Like, they're scattered around. You're like, wow, that yeah, was a cool yeah. thing, and this person's really nice. But it's like, this is a ship full of cool people. It's like mm-hmm. a work party barge. Right. It's not a bad thing to, like, it's not a bad crew to be a part of. It's not a bad life. It's, yeah. I mean, this is their life. life, you know? They're having a pretty good time. Yeah. They're just like here and being like, Sam, give us your things. <laughs> All right. Even if those people come now. into their vibe and they're still having a good time. They got someone dying, still having a good time. Yeah, for real. Avoiding though. pirates. Yeah. I mean, kind they of avoiding did. them. I mean, I yeah. The, the, the bow like scared them off. They're like, oh, we don't mess with them. We're in, a it couple just... of us are going to get pegged with an arrow. Oh, we're getting that. pegged? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was like, wait, don't say pegged on this podcast at this point. It's actually called Dark Sister. If you yeah. ask uh, our, our friend Rowan. Yep, yep. Uh, Finally, Zondo seizes Sam near the end of his shift and dumps him at Koja Mo's feet. Koja points at a haze on the horizon, telling him, Alright, Sam. <laughs> you can either swim to Dorne, or you can walk to Old Town, or you can stop being a baby and go talk to Gilly. <laughs> I love this so much. I love, like we said earlier, that, you know, they've been on there. Sam's been the worker. And yet Gilly's the queen of the ship. They love Gilly. They don't give a fuck about Sam and his lords in this of Westeros. And not to be like anti-feminist perspective here, but I'm sure they see women from Westeros often that come through that are not like Gilly. Right, Gilly's very different. Gilly's willing to work her way, willing to try to be helpful even when she's not expected to be. Uh, and she's quite obviously seen some shit, and they can tell that, and they can tell that she's different, just like they're different, right? And they really respect her, and I love that. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, technically, Gilly's not Westerosi, right? She's mm-hmm. free folk, and and as you said, right? I mean, Gilly's pretty awesome. She's 
she's just making her way and they see her. She's a survivor. Yeah, she's not going to stop. She's going to work harder. Oh my god. <laughs> what? Were you not? Were we not singing? What? I'll do the once. <laughs> I'm better than that. I'm not going to write to you on the internet. I'm better Ooh, than that. All right. Only the reels go to a verse like that. <laughs> oh my god. Because you know I'm better than that. Gilly is a survivor. She survived through multiple environments. Like right now, she's dealing yeah. with the opposite of what she's used to. She's like, man, it's hot here. She's thriving. Like, really. Yeah, she is thriving. I mean, she just slammed Sam down on the on the bed and told him what to do. She's like, all right, finally. Now she has yeah. the whole ship ready to beat him up. I know. That's so great. <laughs> like you got your whole crew with you. Yeah. Uh, I love that. It's good for Sam. It's not bad for Sam. He's being a, a little baby. He is. He is. And, and just like, because- come on. <laughs> Because of that, he tries to protest, right? And Koja cuts him off. She's like, all you Westerosi make a shame of loving. There is no shame in loving. If your acceptance say there is, your seven gods must be demons. In the Isles, we know better. Our gods gave us legs to run with, noses to smell with, hands to touch and feel. What mad, cruel god would give a man eyes and tell him he must forever keep them shut and never look at all the beauty in the world? Only a monster god, a demon of the darkness. I like that monster god, a demon of the darkness. Sounds like uh, on like Ocarina of Time, that would be under a boss's name. <laughs> it's true. Demon of the darkness. Yeah, monster god, a demon. They've got uh, such great like short descriptions. I mean, this is such a, an awesome perspective that I wish everyone in my life and all the people that I don't know would have, <laughs> or at least could incorporate. Um, maybe they've heard about it. Maybe they've uh, watched it in like a how-to video and they've been like, oh, that seems like a pretty good perspective. But I mean like really internalizing the the points of view and the truths of, and re- of this reality that we're all seemingly awake in, the dream or the dreamer, I'm not sure. But for now, this is we're having this conversation and it seems real to me. Like really understand what leads to these truths being real and yeah. like embody them and live them. And the, the, the world that we're living in could be like this ship, I think. At least – to some degree, I know that when there's this amount of people, there's always going to be pirates coming. But as long as you've got a good bow and you're really mindful about how to use it and you pick the right materials, like maybe you can make them not come and attack you and all that stuff. And when people get really old, they die and you get sad and you celebrate it and maybe you make some more life. You know, yeah. like maybe we can keep things going. And also uh, where they're from has really good weather. Like, why would you want to cover up all your nice, sexy bodies? Like, that's why they also <laughs> like to have sex as much. It's like, they're just like, oh, wait a second. Look at that over there. And the conversation begins. I really love, too, that it, I mean, this is what the overarching theme of the whole story. You have the metaphor of the others buried right here, right? A monster god, a demon of the darkness. That's what they want. They want to stamp out life and to bring people back as mindless, you know, whites mm. that, that are only connected to them only allowed to love this way or only allowed to do these things, right? Uh, a slave to the others, which is, I mean, then you have the Citadel and the Night's Watch and the Kingsguard as these institutions that also dictate when somebody is allowed to love and how they're allowed to love and when they're allowed to love. And here you have them saying, you know, only a monster god, a demon of darkness would put an end to that, would say you can't love another or that you aren't allowed to share that part of yourself because you have given that part of yourself legally, contractually to us, right? 
Like how I can't just have sex with my husband all day because I have to work, you know? Like it's bullshit is what I'm institutionalized. Systemic. Systemic. This is oppression you're, from capitalism. No, I was like, you're very oppressed. Um, <laughs> no, I, I was just being humorous for a, a metaphor. But but that is kind of the, the whole feeling, right? Like here Sam is hundreds of miles away from the cold wall and the White Walkers falling in love for the first time and learning that it's all a fucking lie and you can just love someone. It's very easy. It's scary, but it's very easy and you can do it, Sam Tarly. It reminds me, again, a lot of what's going on in His Dark Materials, right? This idea of what kind of monster god would tell you, would keep you from seeing, would keep you from experiencing life Mm -hmm. and all of your senses, so... Yeah, I guess religion commonly likes to juxtapose the, the availability of things with some kind of a discipline that is, I mean, there's so many different ways why the discipline is good. There's so many different reasons, like either the, it's it's literal or it's figurative, but ultimately it's like, I think boils down to some kind of like greater love outside of yourself, which sometimes it pleases gods and sometimes it's just good for you. Yeah, and sometimes those great loves outside yourself are more important, right? Like loving others. Yeah. As we see for Sam, it allows him to overcome many obstacles in his chapters by putting others first Mm. over his own well-being, over his apparent self-loathing, right? By putting Gilly first, by putting John first, by putting Eamon first, he is able to do great things. And it's like Ned says, right? When is a man able to be brave? Well... When he's scared. And he's not putting time. those others first. Exactly. Those go last. <laughs> those go last. Uh, it, it's interesting that you're eight. talking about it with uh, <laughs> Sam, you know, experiencing life and being encouraged to feel love, right? And mm-hmm. then we have this idea of what cruel God would give a man eyes and tell him he must forever keep them shut. And we have this in contrast to Eamon being told, you cannot love anyone. You cannot even love your family. You cannot go to your family his whole life. And Sam being like told, I don't know, what if you just did it all? Yeah. Getting that wool pulled over your eyes now instead of at 102 is probably a pretty big deal, huh? Yeah. I think or so. Off your eyes, or off, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, the, I guess that's the gift of being a future generation. You know, you learn from the mistakes of the people before you. And so maybe we'll see a more progressive mm. Night's Watch when this is all said and done. I hope so. Because, I mean, that's maybe, the other part probably. of that, right? The other monster god, demon of the darkness, who would do this would be Randall Tarley. Think of someone so militant, so disciplined, so void of love. Mm. True, true, true. Yeah. Big true friend. So funny how someone like Randall would just be like a mad dude if he didn't have swords that he could command. And he doesn't even have the most swords. He just has enough that where it's like, I could cause you some trouble. Yeah. So people are like intimidated by him. It's like he's just some guy. He is just some guy. Yeah. Kojimo could shoot him with a with an arrow. I, I legitimately believe so. I think Kojimo could kick his ass. Oh, for sure. <laughs> he's just some guy. Maybe not in a, like a boxing match, but you know. People that can fight well, it's like, the, like he's intimidating. Be- exactly. He's intimidating because he has swords that he can command. And yeah. it's just like, come on, dude. And he's willing to be an asshole. But he's like not that scary to me. I don't know. <laughs> Kojima's also willing but, to be an asshole. To- yeah. That's, well, yeah. An asshole that we but like, for though. for good. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> Sam 
comes back. He's like, well, I can't just go to Gilly. I took a vow. And Kojimo's like, Gilly's no child. She knows why you wear the black and why you're going to the Citadel. And she knows that she can't keep you. I love this. She says, she wants you for a little while, is all. She lost her father and her husband, her mother and her sisters, her home, her world. All she has is you and the babe. So you go to her or swim. <laughs> wow, your your note is so good. Read that. All I wrote is, I think this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> it is nice, though. It's really it nice. nice. It's, I just have my hands over my heart. Like, oh. I mean, it's the best chapter, honestly, in a lot of ways in this book that encapsulates like all of the story, right? What is honor compared to a woman's love? What's yes. duty against the feel of a newborn son in your arms or the memory of a brother's smile? Wind in words, we're only human. The gods have fashioned us for love. That's our great glory and our great tragedy. It's etched in every moment in this entire chapter. Absolutely. And, and yes, Zach would like me to point out also, what the fuck, I love fat pink mess now? Like, that's what that symbolizes, yo. Like, fat pink mess symbolizes all of that. So next time, Eliana, when you want to laugh about the fat pink mass, I hope you think about this too. Okay. Yeah, because we love it now. The fat pink masks <laughs> what the are fuck? the we friends you made along the way. It's the you're, fat pink masks my, you made. We're each other's fat pink masks now. You're my... Wow. This is getting heated. Um, <sighs> so Sam knows he cannot swim that far. All right? <laughs> I, I almost wonder, what do you... If he was like, I could do it. I could do it. So like, yeah, what do you have? Done? I like, know, how right? Much you, how far are you going to take this? Like, like <laughs> mopiness. <laughs> right, he's like... I they can't do it. Him. Yeah, so he's like, oh, fine, I'll just go to Gilly. He goes to Gilly. Oh my god, imagine, imagine. I know. So I've been trying to make sense of this because usually like authors and storytellers and artists in general are like encapsulating some greater truth about the universe and the flourish <laughs> of where their pen goes. And I'm trying to understand like the spatial truth and like also like what going back to Gilly, like is that some kind of a resignation, step down, is it would have been would have been better if he would have like tried to be able to swim that far, if he had the strength or at least the the courage to push himself to go that far. Like what his life would have been like, all those kinds of things. Like I'm trying to figure out what George is trying to say because that shoreline was so artistic and picturesque. It was like uh it was difficult for them to, like he couldn't really make it out, you know? And that's that's a that's a common motif for things. I don't remember every thing but like when i have a dream for example and i'm trying to figure out who the person is like sometimes like there's too much light on their face or something like my brain hasn't fully uh materialized the whole thing and that's kind of what the shoreline was maybe it was george not fully materializing his idea and it was just sounded cool i don't know either way i just wanted to know what the heck that was do you guys have any ideas I just have Shoreline from Broken Social Scene playing in it's my head It's in my now. head, too. It's oh totally, my. that's all I'm hearing. We're, I'm so glad I'm not alone. We're married. Uh, yeah, I'm just jamming. Yeah! Uh, I was jamming. I was jamming. Thank yeah. you, Eliana. But that's, I, I think you honestly had it, though. Like, the, the fact that he can't quite see it, he can't quite make it out, you know? That's the big part of it, right? Like, he doesn't know what the few. I think that's, I think that's the point. He doesn't know what the future is. There's no mm. sure way for him to get to that shore, right? He looks at it. He can't just swim to that shore. It's awful far away and hazy, and he can't quite see where it actually is and the dangers that await him, and that's the point of life. You can't nice. see that. You don't get to see where you're going for life. You don't just mm. get to look across the shoreline and know the dangers that are going to be laid on your path. But you know what? 
it sure as hell makes it a lot easier doing it from a boat with a person that loves you instead of swimming on your own, doesn't it? You... Is this therapy? <laughs> <laughs> you hewed all earlier likened this to John's situation right across the wall. It's a little like that, right? John, granted, had a slightly more traumatic moment in which he had to kill his mentor in that time, whereas Sam just more failed his mentor. But he was 102. Mm. Like, like, honestly, it was amazing he made it to that point. Corin Halfhand probably had a lot of years ahead of him, but, uh, you know, Sam... John had to. Yeah, he, he was only eighty nine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but John's like, I can't, I can't escape from the free folk right now. I can't make it to the wall, and so he's like, guess I gotta go talk to Egrid and everyone else and make friends, and that's that's kind of what Sam's doing here. He's like, well, I can't do that, so gotta go actually deal with people, which is sometimes harder, honestly. Oh, dude. That's why our Ari's O card, right? He was like. I would rather die. I would rather <laughs> die than confront the fact that I had sex. Uh. <laughs> I mean, that like, is a big part of it. <laughs> that is literally what happened in the goal. same book. I yeah. mean, even kind of that little cute taste of xenophobia that George peppered around this, right? That's very Ari's Oakheart as well in Dorne. It's They're a both reach from thing. The reach. Yeah, it's a reach both thing. Both Ari's and Sam are from the reach. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we close with this little back and forth between Gilly and Sam. What we did, if I could take a, the wife, I would sooner have you than any princess or highborn maiden. I can't do it, but I can't. I'm still a crow. I said the words, Gilly. I went with John into the woods and said the words before a heart tree. The trees watch over us, Gilly whispered, brushing the tears from his cheeks. In the forest, they see all, but there are no trees here, only water, Sam, only water. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> my, note, my note here is uh, just as mysterious as the quote before it. I'm like, okay, good to know. There are no trees here, but crows can fly. She tells Sam there's only water because she's real wet right now. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. End of the episode vibes. Oh god. It's like hurting cats. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do think I do think it's uh it is interesting that Gilly here turns the water though into into like a strength of this freedom. Like that it's freeing right. for her because earlier Sam has been like every time Gilly looks at the water, she looks real afraid and like she's gonna cry. Oh yeah. But she likes it in this point. She uses it as the strength and the point to make him feel better. She's like, it's about the motion in the ocean, Sam. Oh my right. god. She's like, that's what we were missing last night. Not I was the all the motion. Size or the, the thickness of the mast. <laughs> yeah, well, right. we didn't really know the size, right? That's thickness not important. We Pink mast. Yeah. We know the thickness. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, coat can. Sam's yeah. got a little sprite can in there, you know. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh <laughs> There's actually, I, I really like the emphasis on the water and the trees, obviously. Uh, her being free folk, that is pretty apparent to her that she understands the trees are watching. There are eyes all among them in the north. Mm -hmm. And that she knows that there's only water. There's no trees to watch them. Now, yes, crows can fly, and they are actually mm -hmm. going right into a crow zone, if you will. Uh, a crow zone? Crow zone. Frozone. Oh There's a hole in the crozone there. Oh my god. Oh my god. Someone, someone call your own. I do have like 
two tangentially related thoughts about this. I don't know, Zach, I don't know if you've actually seen this episode. I don't know. You don't watch Doctor Who, do you? Do you, Zach? Not the new stuff. I saw like the first two seasons of uh, Amy Pond stuff, and then I saw like their resolution. I watched all the old stuff. Okay, well, this is from uh, Series 6. There's an episode. Eliana, you're never going to get there, so I don't care. Probably Uh, not. I'm sorry. She's still on the uh, the deadlock episode, like trying to get through it, like the traffic. The gridlock, no. I've been here for eight years. Yeah, gridlock. She's not even close to gridlock. She's at Episode 3 of Series 1. Anyways. Ooh, you see the face of Bo at least. Well, there you go. Ah. So there's a Doctor Who episode in Series 6 that that this reminds me of. Long story short, and neither of you are going to understand it. So this is for me and like the 80 people listening that have seen this episode. But there's a translation where someone's name gets changed because there's no pond in the forest, only rivers. Because those people in that land, Uh. yes, only know... They, they only know rivers. They don't have ponds there, just geographically speaking. So the translation of this name gets changed. And the whole point is that, like, it's a loophole in the name because all of a sudden they figure out a big plot point. And, and it's also an overarching theme that the TARDIS translates things, right, as they travel through space. So, like, if you just go to Italy, you're not going to be out of place. Whatever you're saying, someone will understand you because of the chameleon circuit inside of the TARDIS. Listen, it's a whole thing. It's a great series. Uh, that said... It's very, like, something lost, that little lost in translation moment. This is kind of a translation moment because it's a loophole, right, that Gilly is saying, the trees watch over us, but here they they don't see us, Sam. It's okay. We can be together here. In this little moment on this boat, on the water, we get to be together and no one knows and you're not breaking your vows, you know, in this moment, in this loophole. And it almost reminds me of this line from Dune, of what Chani says to Paul, that she says, I see us giving love to each other in a time of quiet between storms. It's what we were meant to do. And that is that what this is, right, for Sam and Gilly, that this moment, like Koja said, she knows she can't keep you. She knows that you have a great destiny to go be a great man at the Citadel and figure out all this shit so you can come back to the wall and keep people safe and help people, Sam. She knows all that. She knows your destiny. She just wants you just for a little while, right? Just to make sweet, beautiful memories just for a little while, as long as she can keep you. And I think that is so beautiful. What the fuck? I love Fat Pink Mast. Yeah, I mean, like you said, right? It's beautiful. I, I like that idea of she knows she wants you for a little while. And as you said, she cannot keep you. And none of us can keep each other, right? We can't own each other, and that's... We all just have each other for a little while. You could have memories, you know? Like smoke drifting through your hand, but they're still there. Are you crying? No. Fucking hate (laughs) Aeswath. It's like trying to catch smoke with your bare hands. (laughs) Bare hands? Get the bear out of here. (laughs) Bare hands. Uh, Yeah. That was a, it's a beautiful chapter, you guys. I really love this it chapter. Is. I don't think we could have done it without Zach. We needed uh, this great tension to keep us from divorcing one another, uh-huh. you know? I'm so, so uh, honored that you guys asked me to come on and for such a, a amazing chapter. Like you said, like, I mean, quantifies all the stuff that we like about this book and really the whole series mm-hmm. in such a beautiful way and juxtaposes Maester Eamon with people that don't even speak the language with Gilly who's now talking and doing more than she normally does to like ma- making things happen very directly and Sam just, you know, being Sam. <laughs> 
Sam being he, classic that's what Sam. He wants. Yeah. he wants to be just Sam. And everyone's yeah. calling him all these names. He's like, I want to be just Sam. That's cool though. Yeah, let him be Sam. Let's not let's not be mean to him either. He's got a fat pink mask after all. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> this was really fun though. Like you guys you guys are like uh you guys are really good at this. This is so fun to talk to you guys about these books because you are uh, just like a, a deep, obviously, you like deeply love this stuff. I like having just really genuine, real conversations with people. And it's hard to do outside of a podcast, even with people that you love. It's just like there's so many distractions and things happening. But like we don't have our phones. We're not talking to anybody else in the room. It's just the three of us. And uh, I think you can get so much, you can go so far into stuff. And uh, it's cool to like use a safe thing like these books as like a a thing to uh, like allow it's like a little tool that allows us to get into everything like everything in this life and in this universe but there's something that like a language that we can all speak you know but ultimately like we do speak like the same language it is the language of love everybody (laughs) but this is our common tongue (laughs) in the book to the cinnamon wind we are all traveling together on maybe the real song Hmm. Of is the ice fat pink mass? Oh. And mass didn't fight. Uh, yeah, something along those lines. No, it's true. It's our common tongue. We all speak it together, and I love that. I love being able to talk about this series with you guys. I like you two a little bit. I don't tell anyone. Oh my god. Uh, yes, thank you. I mean, like, you and I have, in a way, again, regarding that trick, you and I have discussed this chapter before. Mm-hmm. Zach, so I'm, I'm have, glad we got to <laughs> reconnect over did. this. We've discussed quite a few chapters together, and yeah, it was a goo time. It was a goo time. A goo time. Uh, it was a really goo time. I hope we get to hang out again there. soon. For real. Hopefully soon, though. For sure. I know I'm going to see Chloe soon, but I'd like to see everybody Wait, at the same I time. I already saw your bitch sure. ass. Right, you, yeah, just, you, you were just at my house. Out. Yeah, I just yeah. saw your bitch ass. Zach, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you again. Please tell everyone where they can find Game of Owns on the internet once more. Gameofowns.com is a website <laughs> that has our web our stuff on it. And you can go there and learn all you want about our podcast and click on episodes in the way that you see fit. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. It's game everything is Game of Owns. We also have a reading order for Feast and Dance. It's at feastwithdragons.com where you can just find that link on gameofowns.com. So we'll be at Ice and FireCon next week. Come hang out and say hi. Hannah and I will both be there and just say hello, you know, and tell me how much you like Chloe and Eliana. And then that's something that we can we can relate on and I can start our friendship in that way. Oh, no. <laughs> that's not a good that's not a. Uh, we're scared it's for you. A solid foundation. Yeah. I'm so scared. I mean, for me, what else are we going to have in common? I really like you guys, so it'll be easy to speak on it. Maybe a song of ice and fire. That could be the next what? thing. That's too bad. Everyone argues about that. <laughs> <laughs> who's a secret uh, Targaryen? Who's not? Etc. Well, we'll find out more of who's a real secret Targaryen soon at Ice and Fire Con when the Winds of Winter drops. Thanks, George. You really make it our party, like the place to be. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with our final Sam Tarly published chapter uh, until wow. until we come back with a new book, new year, new us. Fingers crossed. Oh, my God. But yeah, next week, Sam 5, A Feast for Crows, outro to Sam. So stay tuned to that. Can't wait to bring you that. Amazing chapter. So good. And it's going to have mm. a lot of good talk for Sam's future. 
Indeed, indeed. But until then, if you would like to keep up with Girls Gone Canon News, for example, that panel that Chloe and Zach are doing together, or perhaps the Civil War brunch, oh or perhaps uh, the <laughs> Patreon episode, or perhaps, again, that Sam episode, or maybe a His Dark Materials episode, there's much, much going on here at Girls Gone Canon Land. You can find us on social media at... Girls Gone Canon on Twitter, that's C-A-N-O-N. Or perhaps you have thoughts that you would like to share with us. You can send us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. And, you know, speaking of the the Patreon, you know, again, we have many things going on at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon. If you would like to, you know, we will have another episode besides all the ones that I just listed. For example, the April Fool's episode inspired by our queen, Chloe. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really fun. I'm excited to talk about butter bumps and myself. You know, as the true April, we're going to be butter. Butternuts. We're not doing bumps. We are not doing butter bumps. Okay. Uh, and hey, if you are not already, make sure you're following us on a streaming platform near you. Wherever you listen, if you're a Spotify user, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, where we're hosted, Stitcher, Acast, iHeartRadio, Pandora, you name it, we're on all of them. Look us up. Drop a Google. You'll find us. Drop a Google. As always, I've been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I've been another one of your hosts, Eliana. We'll chat Thank with you, you next week. Guest. Thank you for everyone, to everyone, for being, you know, a fat pink bass in our life. God bless us, every one of us. <laughs> a whole ocean full of fat pink mass. Indeed, whole, oh God. Oh God. A whole ocean, and I pick you. The motion of the ocean. Okay. Goodbye, guys. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye, everyone.